for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Imagine this, y'all. Let's say you're from the beautiful, sunny state of Florida, and you're planning an OTC elk hunt in Colorado. But you've never been out west. You've never seen the Rockies. You have absolutely never seen or heard an actual elk other than on TV or YouTube. How in the heck would you get ready for a hunt like that? And what kind of chance would you have of actually punching a tag? Well, y'all, you're in for a treat. Welcome to the first Grinder Series from Elk Camp, where we talk to elk hunters from all over the U.S. about their elk hunts. All the learning moments, the ups, the downs, the steps, then the techniques, helping you to learn from both their successes and their mistakes. That discussion, some Elk Bros shout outs, and some serious questions from our Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for Blue Collar Hunters, following our show and grinding it out with us every week. Welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas. And that's right, from the DFW area, we have the leader of the Venezuelan mafia, Manano Graterone, in the house with us. <laughs> and that's right, from Central Texas, from that Burnett, Texas area, we got the Flatlander himself, Mr. Cole Wilkes, one of our elk hunting coaches. And from up, Cimarron, New Mexico, 
we have the ninja, Leroy Chavez himself, and WWJGD. Joe Gillia is in the house and joining us at Elk Camp today. Let's have a warm Elk Bros welcome for tonight's guest. Coming to us from his new home in the sunny, sunshine state of Florida, Mr. John Lane is in the house. John. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, thanks for having me. Hey, John. <laughs> How's it going, guys? John, John? Welcome. Hey, so, John, doing? this is the first time all the guys here have even set, you know, have seen this face, man. They're yeah. they're wondering, they're asking me, Joe, who, who the heck is John Lane, man? <laughs> <laughs> John, you're in for a treat. Yeah, it sounds like it, man. Well, I'm welcome. I appreciate you guys having me, guys. For real, well, this is a un- this is unbelievable. Cool. Heard a little bit about the story and everything, and we can't wait to to dive into it. But I mean, you've got all of our elk hunting coaches here in the house. We got the leader of the, the Venezuelan mafia with us, right? Manano Gratteron. <laughs> yes. Luis going to want to cut my head off for saying that, but uh, it's too bad he's not here. But man, look, you got all all of the personalities that are here for sure. Uh, and we are so glad to have you with us. So do you know everybody here, John? Not everybody. No, I don't yeah. think so. All right. I got Cole down here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We got Cole. Chav, uh, Chav's here as well. Leader of Venezuelan Mafia. Yeah. Gilbert, so, so the- <laughs> I've seen, seen you guys on the podcast. For, so, yeah. So let me Ooh. ask you, man, the, the, the question, <clears throat> who do you follow as the leader of the Venezuelan Mafia? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to say since Manano's on, Manano. Ah! <laughs> We're going here. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, right, this yeah. year when Please, we were John, on, be honest, bro. Yeah. Hey, I am. You know, John, when we were on the mountain this year, it got it got really tough, and Manano led us off. As he does most years, he led us off with the with the shit bloodshed. And Luis said, "You know, we're going to let him be the leader for for a day, right?" So it's a, it's a standard joke that how long uh, Luis is going to let him lead. But and I say it all the time on the podcast is you know the leaders of the Venezuelan mafia. Uh, but at the end of the day, tonight we got the leader with us. Oh yeah, right? yeah. At least so, what, what so do you I do, would- John? Sorry, What's Joe. It? Go what ahead, do do? I'm in the defense contractor. Oh, right on. Yep. So you're a government defense contractor? Yes. Yep. Cool. So you're a government employee? Uh, def- well, not officially government employee. I'm gotcha. on the – so I work for Lockheed Martin. I'm a defense Oh, okay. Fantastic. Yeah. So you're, right. you're about as quiet about that as your hunting spots, right? Yeah, yeah I try to be. <laughs> yeah. What do you do <laughs> for them? to keep that brother? on the DL, right? What do you do for them? I'm your program manager, so okay. I just support, you know, parts coming in, making sure they were on time, schedule uh, what we build there on site, and that we get it out, and get gotcha. it to the customer. We, we support the Navy. Okay, cool. Yeah. So do y'all build parts for the Navy? We Machine do. parts and stuff like that? Yeah. That's cool. Awesome. So I want you to know, this guy's actually from where I was born, man. Yeah, he's a Virginia boy. Yeah, oh, Virginia. Virginia, born and raised oh, in uh, Manassas, cool. Virginia. Oh wow! Yeah, ex-military yeah. background? No, no, no. Gotcha. No, yeah. born and raised. Just a, a dad, a husband. I got a eight-year-old and a six-year-old to keep me pretty busy, and I got a passion for the outdoors, and that's awesome. How long have that's you lived? All you need Florida? to be in the woods, passion. <laughs> exactly. So How I've only been, been in Florida for about three months. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. What part? We, I literally, we moved here literally right before I was making the trip to Colorado. 
Oh, wow. Uh, so it's been a whirlwind. What part of Florida? I'm in uh, central Florida. So I'm in Melbourne area. Okay. Okay. Melbourne. Yeah. I'm about 20 minutes from the beach. Cool. So it's not, not bad. Are you from on the, on the West coast beach or the uh, east no, coast? I'm on the east side. Okay. Yeah. I'm cool. about two hours from uh, Tampa and the Clearwater okay. side. West okay. Coast. Yeah. Pretty, pretty stuff over there. Oh yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit, you know, you, you said you were born and raised there in Virginia. Okay. I was, I was born in Norfolk, Virginia <clears> and, uh, <clears throat> and you've just recently made this move over to Florida, but tell us a little bit about your hunting background, man. I mean, you know, um, a lot of people from East coast, Midwest, all these guys, man, that, uh, don't even know what an elk is all the time, man. So how, you know, what was that journey? I mean, you, you are an outdoors guy. Tell us about that. Yeah. So for me, I mean, I got, uh, hooked into hunting a little later than most people. Like usually, you know, your family hunts, you kind of grew up with it. Oh, yeah. Um, I was probably 1920, um, before I first got in the woods, um, just got hooked up with a buddy of mine who, gave me a shotgun and said, Hey, sit by this tree and see if you see any deer. <laughs> like I, I really didn't know what to do, what I was getting involved with. And I saw like an eight point buck 15 yards from me. Um, I did not move. Um, I just was just, you know, all shook up just looking at this thing, total buck fever. Um, and I realized after that he was making, you know, a licking branch and was making a scrape. But at the time I was just in all of the sun was hitting the antlers. It was just a perfect scene. Right. And from then on, I just, it's outdoors hunting and everything about it. I'm just in love with. That's awesome, And that's, brother. that just kind of kept it. So whitetail, I'm a big bow hunter. Yeah. Uh, that's the old, pretty much what I got into was bow hunting. And um, just it, ever since it's been what I've been doing uh, turkeys. Oh yeah. You know, anything that we can get out there and hunt, I, I want to get out there and do it. Oh, that's, that's awesome, man. So you've been out, out West here, you've been to Colorado or Wyoming and all these places, what, four or five times? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wish, um, <laughs> just from going out there this year, never been out West, never seen an elk in person, never heard a bugle, uh, until this year. So, um, everything was all new to me. And I think probably a lot of the guys that are probably listening, you know, there's a lot of us that haven't been out West, but we see it on TV. You know, we see yeah. you guys and, and it's just like, yeah, they hey, make it look easy, huh? well, it's just like, why can't I do that? You know, no like, that looks like beautiful country. Let's, yeah. let's make that happen. So I, that's kind of what we did this year is we just put a plan together and decided to go to out West. So when did that bug get into you guys, man? And, how, and when you say us, tell us about your, your group. Yeah. How many of you are? Yeah. I got two other guys. Um, one, shout out i got richard bowen and josh prophet both guys that i grew up with um that just I, I had i mean really this all started just i read a couple books i mean to be perfectly honest with you i told myself this year in 2021 i was going to put down the smartphone more and start reading books and i picked up two books um one of them uh, spoke to you need to have an adventure in your life as men we need to go do more uh, we need That's to get cool. out. We need to go explore. And it was more based, like a faith, faith-based book. Uh, and the other one was just speaking to um, the sovereignty of men. And if you're going to say you're going to do something, you got to do it. And if you can't commit to something, don't commit to it. Mm -hmm. And I had for years told my buddy, hey, we're going to go out west. I'm going to plan a trip. We're going to go. We're going to make it happen. And years went by and I didn't 
I didn't act on it. I didn't even do any planning. And once I got done with those books, I'm like, this is it. I got to do it and I'm going to make it happen. So I planned it. I, I connected with them. I got the dates lined up and, and away we went and they were on board. You, and, and, and we're going to get into that story, man. We're, we're, we're going to, we're going to talk about that story here in a little bit. Uh, it's, it's exciting, you know, for people to find out, you know, was there success? Did it fail? Was the successes along the way? What was the journey like? Cause there's a lot of people out there, John, that, you know, they're like, man, uh, where do I start? How, what do I do? And we're talking about, and I want everybody to understand here, man, you know, this fella has never been out West, has never seen an elk, never heard an elk, never mm-hmm. stepped in the mountains. <laughs> I right. mean, and, and yeah, that's yeah. a tall order. How old are you, John? I'm 38. 38. 38. Okay, cool. About the time I started elk hunting when I was 40. Oh, right. Four, yeah. My, if you go back several episodes, like in our infancy we kind of tell our stories and stuff like that when we you know episode one two three four and you'll hear i mean i started elk hunting when i was 40 years old as a birthday present from my wife and i've always wanted to do it i'm a big bow hunter too i mean we we you know if it wiggles down here we shoot it with a bow so i mean um like i said and i've never been out west either and whoo was i ever in in for it you so, Manano, when was your first time to ever be in the, the Rocky Mountains? Do you remember? Uh, 2016, when so we were there. That was your first time ever as well? Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Um, ever. Huh? Well, I was riding dirtbacks at one time in the Rocky, but not hunting. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, mm-hmm. but as far as you getting up there, and, and when was your first time ever seeing an elk? The one that you kill. <laughs> day you kill that one. Oh man that's that's crazy man. and you know we forget that sometimes we've all been together so much we cole what about you man uh the first time i ever went into the mountains i uh, was probably snow skiing whenever i was a little kid um but then whenever the first time i ever saw an elk i actually called it in um using like a terminator bugle uh, for this, this guy was that I went hunting with, he, he had it. And I was like, give me that thing. And, uh, and then he, this bull came in and I was, I was shocked. Uh, <laughs> how, how old were you? How Cole? old were you then? Uh, I was 28 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah, 37 now. Yeah. Yeah, man. So man, time flies. So John, um, I, I want to thank you for being here and for yes. all of our listeners, what the goal of this is going to be is this is going to be our stories from the season. You know, we're going to get a chance to talk with some of our grinders and we're going to hear your story. And we want to find out all of those things that people might have questions in their mind. And I can tell you this before we get going, there's going to be a lot of people <laughs> that are going to listen to some of this and go, what was he thinking, man? <laughs> and and that and I love that part because I want everybody out there to do what you were talking about. You know, what was he thinking? He was thinking it was time to go and try. And yeah. in doing that, you took some steps to get there, and we're going to get all into that. And we're excited about that when we get into the content. Um, so, man, you're you're going to hear us and and relax with us because we you know we're. <laughs> We're going to have a good time with you, but yeah. um, we're real excited about having you, man. So thanks mm-hmm. for being here tonight. Yeah. I mean, it's the yeah. first time for us to do this. 
John. So, it, you know, we're pretty good off from the hip. I mean, we've been doing this a little while, so we'll lead you into a few things. Um, it, you know, these guys are real professional, uh, and, and they're not going to ask you anything too pertinent or too personal. Uh, and they've we sure not before we went on the air, yeah. we're, <laughs> we're sure not going to do anything that'll, that'll embarrass you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no worries. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, Joe, I wanted to know one thing from you is how did you pick John? Um, well, we have a whole bunch of grinder stories out there, Yeah, but I could not get out of my head. No matter what happened on his hunt, I couldn't get out of my head when I asked him and he said, nope, never been out West, never, ever saw an elk, never heard an elk. And when I heard those three things to me, that there are so many people out there in that exact situation that either saw it in a magazine, saw it on YouTube, saw it someplace, but they have no clue. And we always talk about how, when guys get out here and actually get boots on the ground, how intimidating, how daunting. And, you know, because you just do not know how big the country is. I mean, especially, I mean, when you come from someplace like, and, and I got to quantify this. When you come from like the Carolinas or you come from Virginia with all those thick trees, well, you can live in a neighborhood and you see your neighbor and stuff, but you, you don't really see everything around you because there's so many trees. It's almost like there could be 5,000 people there and you'd think there was only 20, right? Because of all the trees there sometimes. And then you get out here in the West and you can see forever. Wow. And there's nobody out there. What you know, in a lot of these areas, there's no houses, or I mean, you could literally walk for a day before you hit something, some places, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that part of it really intrigued me. Plus, he was from Virginia, had gone gotcha. to Florida. So, this is a guy all the way from the east coast out here, and I thought it was a, a great way to kick this off, man. Yeah, and in parallels, too. Uh, I mean, look, we, we're all elk hunters and have been for a, quite a while, um, but we'd never done like you, we'd never done an OTC in Colorado. So, you know, we all banded together and, you know, had to do our, our due diligence scouting. And even when we got there, we had to do scouting. And I mean, it was tough. So we know where you're coming from, brother John. Um, It was tough on us because we hunt country that Joe and Chav have been on their whole lives. So they absolutely understand the country and the elements and the way that the animals act in those areas. So, I mean, it was all new to us. Whereas Mr. Cole, he does it all the time. It's no big deal. He mm-hmm. rock and rolls wherever he's got to go. So really wasn't no big deal for him, you know? Um, so we all learned a whole lot from, from that trip as well. And I can't wait to learn about some of the things that, that you encountered. But well. the main point that I want to get across Gilbert is in what you just said, you know, how people have been in certain places. If you know elk, yeah, you can go hunt elk. Absolutely. Anyway, if you know well, man. So yeah. I, I think that's going to be a theme that's going to go through. Let's uh, So we can get to that content. Let's take it forward, man. You bet you guys, you know what time it is. Shout it's time out. for shout the Elk Bro Shoutouts. Out. If you're shout new to our show, this is just a <laughs> shout out to a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. Okay. Uh, this city, a suburb of Minneapolis, was the landing point for Irish and Scottish immigrants. During World War II, it was home to Camp Savage, a military intelligence school language program that taught Japanese to American soldiers. 
sections of the city are part of the Minnesota Valley National Wildlife Refuge and Murphy Henrahan Park Reserve. The city was named after an entrepreneur who trained racing horses, including Dan Patch, who broke the world pacing mile record in 1904 a record that remained unsurpassed for 54 years and brought notoriety to the city. And this is in Savage, Minnesota. Savage, Minnesota. Minnesota. (laughs) That's awesome. Savage, Minnesota. If there was any place I would want to have played football and been part of their high school, Savage, I mean, (laughs) how can you go wrong with the town named Savage, man? That's just like, (laughs) oh, you just beating that chest, man. <laughs> I love that. I saw that name. I was like, you know what? We're going to have to do a shout out where we go through our list because, dudes, we're almost to 9,000 cities right now wow. of listeners. Wow. And go through that and just pick what we think are some of the coolest names out there, man, because there's so Absolutely. many Elk This and Arrow <laughs> That. and I mean, there's just so many cool names out there. And that that's one of them right there. This next top listening city is part of the DFW Metroplex. That's Dallas-Fort Worth for you people that don't know. And is nicknamed the unique dining capital of Texas because of its eclectic restaurant choices. It's also the home of professional golfer Byron Nelson. Byron Nelson. And the infamous 1930s bank robbers Bonnie and Clyde. Wow. It's also the home of three major food chain distribution centers the Tom Thumb Food and Pharmacy, and the United Supermarkets and Martin Brower Markets. Named in 1882 by a railroad surveyor in memory of his hometown of Virginia in Roanoke, Texas. Roanoke, Texas. Uh, I used to ride there back there. You're in Roanoke? Yeah. There's Ooh. a big park, uh, dirt bikes and stuff, and ATVs and Oh, and I was by. just going to say that there's a Roanoke, Virginia, man. I mean, we yeah. have that yeah. back home, man. So that's pretty cool there. But th- Gilbert, what yes. the heck is eclectic, man? Eclectic <laughs> is like unique, right? And it's, uh, ah. uh, you know, eclectic is kind of on that cutting edge of uh, not throwback, but not pop. You know what I mean? Not new age stuff. It's well it's, for the very first time. Eclectic. I'm gonna take this opportunity to correct you guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the first of many. I, I won't miss yes. for a word. Get it. Get it <laughs> eclectic, uh, an, an eclectic opinion is when you take. Oh no no no! That's totally different. Metos, that's yeah. Or you know, calls, and then you mix it, and then you give an, an eclectic opinion, which is a little bit of everything. So, yeah, eclectic so restaurants is like a mix of different types of things? It, it is. Yeah. Gilbert, I got you, baby. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's actually, you know, a broad, diverse uh, scope yeah, of go. things. Right? Diverse. It's broad yeah, and diverse. Beto, I uh, couldn't miss it. You, you yeah. kill what's good with the trainers and stuff. <laughs> Tronos is a real word. Eclectic is like you know a blend of things. Yeah, Um, diverse hit it. Yeah, I think that's it's like we're we're a very eclectic group here, right? Yeah, very yes. This is an eclectic group, 100 percent Distinguished and eclectic, man. Yeah, we got Luis here. Manano, up next, brother. 
This city is located in one of the few east-west valleys in the world, in the Topa Topa Mountains. Its early sunrises bathe the valley in the sunshine, and the late sunsets create the famous pink moments, painting the surrounding peaks in rosy hues. Well, I don't know how to pronounce that. You got it right. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All good, it borders bro. Los Padres National Forest and nearby Lake Casitas. It's a popular recreational area. This is the home of numerous celebrities, including Tom Selleck, Anthony Hopkins, Gary Sinisi, Julie Christie, and Britney Spears. The name is a Chumash Indian term meaning the nest. And this is not other than Ohio, California. Ohio, California. Ohio, California. Oh uh, California in the house tonight. You SoCal. Know, yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, a shout out to our our brother from cali man he got him a deer man he scored his deer the guy Absolutely. just got his deer man yeah i saw him teasing everybody with blood on his hands. yeah man he sends these posts dude just got blood on his hands i'm like bummer <laughs> that's what i see i'm like come on bro <laughs> but there's sunsets take my wife to go see the sunsets over there in ohio california beautiful you know no. what and, i was into what's interesting about that is, is they talk about the pink moment and it's Los Padres and it's Las Casitas and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. And, and uh, that same peak pink moment happens here in New Mexico on the mountains of Albuquerque. That's why they're named the Sandias because it has that, gotcha. that Sandia, Sandia color. Yeah. And up here at Angel Fire too. Mean. Uh, absolutely. Because of the vibrant skies that come across there. Yeah. Where did you find that word? Chaff. <laughs> Which one was that? Hughes or oh Hughes Hughes. It's a a color shade. Shade. A hue. A hue is a a hue is a different shade of a a color, like a blue hue or a gray hue. You could have shade. But, but yeah. it's not a shade. A shade is. But that's not eclectic. In, Look, that's I'm not eclectic. In, lesson in, right now. Yeah, that's so, not an eclectic dark. adjective. You know, an eclectic. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, John. You don't know what you're in for, man. Right? Man, here, man. Uh, <laughs> I like it already. Cool. Right, this next city is a suburb of St. Louis and was established in 1837 and named after John Ball, who settled the town site in 1804. Named one of America's best places to live by Money Magazine in 2005, 11, and 2013. It was also named Most Educated City uh, in 2020 and the Safest City in Missouri in 2020. It was also named Tree City USA uh, for the 30th consecutive year by the National Arbor Foundation in honor of the city's commitment to effective urban forest management. Wow. And that's in Baldwin, Missouri. Baldwin, Missouri. Baldwin, Missouri, just west of St. Louis. That's crazy. Baldwin's been tearing it up 30 consecutive years, man. Wow. Doing that. And wow. somebody better start their game in the tree business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And we, hey, man, we love having all you Missouri. It's in Missouri and Missouri, uh, all, both sides of you. <laughs> yeah. The us and the ease. 
bunch of boys up there killing whitetail right now. The rut's just kicking off for them. Yeah, buddy. There we go, man. And before I do my shout out, man, John, would you like to give a shout out, bud? You're a guest. I didn't have anything prepared like these fellas did. <laughs> no. This is an uncharted Neither did we. Podcast. <laughs> oh, it sounds like y'all leash. Go on leash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're reading, man. I'm kind of, and we have difficulty doing that. <laughs> yeah. As you can see. Manassas, Virginia. Yeah. Manassas, Virginia in the house. Anything special about Manassas? It's where I was born and raised. It's yeah, where my family's there we go. From. Pretty, no, there we go. <laughs> anything, anything bullish about Manassas? Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, well, we got, you know, the Civil War. We have the battlefield that's right there. Oh, cool. Uh, major Lauren. battlefield right there, um, right there in the in Manassas. So pretty historic area. And John Lane was born there. There is a sign yeah. that, yeah. Probably. <laughs> it's just like going through Probably. Tupelo, Mississippi with Elvis, man. There's a sign that says, you know. Elvis was born right here. I bet there's a lot of metal detectors up there where you're from in Manassas, Virginia. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, it's apparently illegal on that in that area. But oh, really? Oh yeah. yeah Wasn't that can. the the Battle of Bull Run? Or am I getting yeah. my history mixed up? Yeah, Battle of Bull, Bull Run. Run. There's a just, few different. Uh, they on. do a reenactment like every couple years there. It's pretty uh pretty oh, cool, cool to check out. That's awesome, man. Chav spitting it out, man. Yeah. So, last but not least, this city is located along the oh my gosh. <laughs> long it's, the... it's located along a river 45 miles south of Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> it's located at the center of the Hopa Indian Nation. This Amerindian culture had trade routes extending to the Rocky Mountains. They built earthen mounds for ceremony and burial purposes throughout. The, this river and the Ohio River. <laughs> How do you think you say that? Sioto. 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 Okay. All right. Sioto and Ohio Rivers. Yeah. In time, it became a Shawnee stronghold. The name comes from the Shawnee word Chalakada, meaning principal town. <laughs> The center of the Shawnee Nation. <laughs> hey, it's it's not Jeff, Spanish. Please. It's not Spanish. <laughs> Rich in Native American history, it hosts the annual feast of the Flowering Moon Festival, drawing crowds in excess of not a thousand, not even ten thousand, y'all. This festival brings in eighty-five thousand people. Wow. The Chillicothe, Ohio, in Chilicot, the house. Ohio. Nice. Wow, Chap, you gotta quit doing the, those shout outs like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think I think in Ohio they say it chili coffee. Oh really? Yeah, chili it's a coffee? little bit different because there's a chili coffee in Texas, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And in Ohio, I'm sure it's a little pronounced a little bit different. Might be. And we have a chili verde in New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, they think's hot. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> All right, man. We're gonna. It's it's time to turn that from our attention. We're gonna we're gonna have a little talk with John here, and and John, we're gonna start. Let you start out where the idea hatched, what it took with you and your partners in crime, what the process was, and I just want you to tell us your story, um, and then we'll talk. We'll kind of talk more about the things we might actually go in and ask you a few things as we're doing it. But you just tell us because this was one heck of an adventure. I mean, you did sure. have an adventure of a lifetime, right? Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt about it. So um, what state I, did you finally decide to go into? Colorado. Which, okay, cool. 
Yeah, in, simply in the, from the OTC over the counter just seemed like, you know, hey, that was the easiest. Did you go like any, meeny, miny, mo, throw a dart, and that's where we go? No, I mean, I mean we no. did. You know, I've watched a lot of the podcast here. I consumed mm-hmm. a lot of information, you know, online from different, you know, hunting um, websites and things and did a lot mm-hmm. of e-scouting on Onyx, you know, north-facing slopes, dark timber, you know, just tried to – we narrowed it down to a certain area we wanted to hunt, and then from there just kind of put some pins down. Never had boots on ground until we literally were driving up there. So, yeah, there's a lot of faith. Just what kinda, time of the year did you go? Uh, we went for archery, so we were then uh, – September 19th through the 26th. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was a short time and I, I kind of planned the 19th on the muzzleloader season had ended. Um, so yeah. I just felt like, okay, everything I've heard about was just, there's so many people, so many hunters just wanted to try to change True. it up because when we get out of the truck, we wanted to have an understanding, okay, are these hunters probably archery hunters or is it muzzleloader hunters too? If we went a little bit earlier in the season. And with our first time, it just made sense to say, hey, we're just going to go right after muzzleloader ends. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't really have – the goal was to see an elk and hear a bugle. That's, that's what <laughs> I wanted to accomplish out of this trip. What, what made you want to go that late in the, in the archery season and not be there September 1? Yeah, I think it ended just being logistics. You know, gotcha. I had two other guys that I was going with. All of us mm-hmm. have families. Um, one um, – had birthday parties and and quite frankly we, we didn't even think he was going to make it he had uh neck surgery uh oh. seven six months before we uh flew to colorado oh wow um oh so y'all he, flew were, y'all didn't drive yeah so we ended up deciding because this was our first time going out um and all three of us were coming from different states i had a mm. maryland uh virginia and now me in florida um the logistics of that just seemed like we weren't really expecting a lot first time never done it um and just felt like let's do the first time let's just fly out there um and then you know ended up flying home so did we y'all did rent a car drive. or did y'all rent a truck or yeah so we ended up renting a car when we got there which ended up being a jeep wrangler okay. so anybody out there that watches the tv shows and thinking you got to have a big rig and you got to do all have all the nice things we went there with a jeep wrangler rented it um and went right into public ground and had an adventure so i don't think you you gotta have a lot to make it happen did you fly into denver yeah we flew into denver and then drove uh a good amount to get to where we wanted to be is that airport not a trip it's like out in the middle of nowhere it is it was wild you fly in that airport and you go where the mountains at (laughs) i mean you're like (laughs) that's exactly desert man y'all went the wrong way that's Y'all exactly what I LA thought LA when we landed. I was yeah. like, what is going on? This, I got Virginia had bigger mountains. Hell, Florida's getting close to that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, my <laughs> first time I ever flew in Denver airport, I'm like, I looked around. I'm like, yeah. we went the wrong way, fellas. This ain't but, daggum Denver. But you know, it didn't take but, long which, yeah. before, and I know yeah. y'all have said it on this on the podcast yeah. before. The sticker shock set in oh, when yeah. we got a little bit further in, yeah. and I'm yeah. like looking at my buddy with some of his pens and what, and we're like, "What are we talking about? Where are we yeah. going?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> it definitely yeah, got yeah. real when we pulled out up into the jeep and got out of the truck. Like, so I'm gonna stop you and back you up for a second because as you go, I mean, so you guys decide you're gonna go on this adventure, you. 
How did you know where to even start, dude? I mean, I heard you say that you listened to some things, you went online. What were some of your resources, some, some things that you guys used out there to, to get yeah, this going? Yeah, so I, I ended up having a subscription to the Go Hunt website. Um, if you guys are familiar with that, it kind of breaks oh, yeah. down the units and gives you some of the percentages of you know, success rates and take it for what you will, how accurate some of those were. But generally, that's... That was the basis for it, just to get an understanding and also looking at the pictures of certain units, because for me, being new to all of it, um, I wanted, like I said, an adventure and I wanted to feel like we were in Colorado, like I wanted mm -hmm. that whole, um, so yeah. it ended up pushing us a little south. Um, so Denver, you know, it was like a three and a half, four hour drive down south to where we ended up hunting. Mm -hmm. Um so that that was a resource um you know i i was a member of some of the facebook groups so like the colorado um there's a backcountry hunters there's a colorado right. elk hunters yep. all those were really valuable resources for somebody who's never done it before um because you can ask questions and they're going to be pretty brutally honest with the answers mm -hmm. um i found out yeah um, jermaine hodge is a member of that as well he's a great resource yeah yeah. Yeah. So, and I, we got a lot of great feedback um, and it was just general information, just trying to get a gauge of like what to expect. Um, another big resources that I, I utilized was um, muzzleloader hunters. Um, I actually got an opportunity to kind of network for some of the muzzleloader hunters that were actually going to be in the unit we were hunting, um, but they were there the week before us. Right. So, you know, not asking for pens or any of that, but just general, Hey, what did you guys see? Were you mm -hmm. hearing any, um, you know, was there water, you know, like just general things that for me being new, um, I thought it was very valuable to get. And, and, and these guys were really great to share, um, just some information that kind of helped us kind of push us a little bit in a different direction that we, we were originally going to not too far, but um, helped us get a little bit more focused on where we wanted to be. Um, so I thought that was a great resource and I would suggest anybody who's going out there that's new, um, to the whole game, um, to kind of get on there and try ask some questions. I mean, I was asking questions on tent setup, you know, I was going to go floorless tent, uh, cutting weight as much as possible. Um, and I, I got a lot of feedback. It was like, you probably, you may not want to go with a floorless shelter, you know, in Colorado, the winds, the rain, yeah. you're going to get wet if it comes underneath your tent. And, you know, it was valuable because I ended up changing that setup and uh, we did get a little light rain, not much, um, but I think it just helped. Um, so I, I thought it was valuable to ask those type of questions and you get, you're going to get answers, you know? Yeah. So, so you guys were hunting with camp on your back. Yeah. We were strictly backcountry backpack frame pack hunters um food and water was with us um and we were just planning to get out of the jeep and go hunting and not come back to the truck until we killed one we ran out of water or we decided hey we're not seeing any sign let's go do something different somewhere else so and did you have any like in when you guys flying there i mean you had to put your bows in cases, you probably checked your packs already ready to go, that type of thing? Yeah, so for for that, we had a few more logistics that the person who was driving out there would have to um, go through. You can't take fuel, um, so we had to pick up fuel. So I had a couple, like an REI and a Walmart that were marked right there by Denver Airport that we could go hit and get the fuel. Um, 
we did pretty much pack our packs, um, but we found out, um, you know, the airport will go through some of the packs and rearrange things and open stuff up. So when we ended up getting um, to camp, it wasn't exactly how we wanted it to be from going out of the truck. So it slowed our process up the next morning um, before we were able to like kind of get it and go. Um, but there was a few things that did help us from a flight perspective. And I think a lot of people probably all that are listening are probably going to drive. I know that's probably the biggest, it's the easier way to go about it is to drive. Um, and maybe hindsight next time we may do that is maybe drive and meet somewhere because you like to have your rig, you like to have your truck and extra things. Right. Um, you know, that's it's you're in the middle of nowhere in some of those places and to have a really? Jeep Wrangler, you know, you, you think about having a chainsaw or chains for snow tires, like those type of things. We took some risks with with doing the flying and not having some of those things available. Um, Did you find because of where you're coming from there in Florida that maybe the cost was was probably similar, right? Is if y'all would have drove compared to the flying and and, you know, having to rent a car? Yep. Yeah. Especially because we weren't all three in the same state. Like, so if we were in the same state, you know, three of us throwing the truck, let's go, we'll all split it three ways. But for the fact that we were going to be potentially driving different cars or I'd have to meet up with them somewhere. And then we cut left to Colorado. Like it just didn't seem plausible with three guys in three different States. Yeah. Um, well, I know the flights from, from were reasonable. Myself, yeah. I know for myself, there's no way I, my gear and three other guys gear would fit in my, in my truck. I just, I, I travel way too heavy. So, I mean, I, I can travel in my truck, but three guys gear ain't no way. You know, yeah, and I, that we were pretty conscious about this because we knew we were going to have everything on our on our backs. That mm-hmm. um, the weight was a big deal. I mean, you know, I mean, it just is what it is. Like I, yeah. I think my pack weighed forty three pounds. Yeah, um, I mean, you check um, it. If it's over fifty, they're going to charge you for two. Yeah, exactly. You got to well, grab a hold of Cole's pack, though, dude. Man, I think Cole carries a dead body with him. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's, yeah. We could build a house with this with this stuff I got in my pack. I got saws, you name it. <laughs> yeah, and that's great because we when we talked to some of the guys, um, some archery hunters before on the Colorado page, um, they were like 65 pounds in their pack. And they were giving me a lot of feedback before we went that was like, hey, I brought like two jackets. I didn't need two jackets. Or, you know, they were kind of giving me some they things. They did last year. <laughs> yeah, the weather Eight was inches um, of snow. Yeah. So did you, so did you haul the water in or did you have a water purifier system of some kind? Um, both. So I both. literally had probably a three liter belt bladder um, because everything we had gathered from information and Intel from maps showed that there was a good amount of water where we were going to be at. Um, but me, I, I'm, I drink a lot of water. I just wanted to be safe with three liters in the bladder. Um, we had the water purifiers. All of us did extra bladders with us. Um, but Honestly, we found out we didn't have much water where we were. Um, and, and that it was one of those things from a lessons learned. We, we should have brought more water with us. Um, yeah. Bottled water? Yeah, yeah. Like gallon jugs yeah. of water. We should have brought more. Um, it, it definitely could have been a problem if we would have been there a little longer. Um, we ended up at one point getting in the Jeep, going to a stream that we had passed and, mm. and 
filling up a bunch of water jugs, purifying a bunch of water, and then bringing it back with us. So that um, was my question. Were you guys like hunting out during the day and coming back to the Jeep or were you staying out overnight? And yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we got, um, we got in at night, um, that first night on the 19th. <laughs> so um, it was dark it, when you got there. It, it wasn't actually dark. It was probably like seven ish when we got okay. there. So it was getting dark. Getting close. Yeah. Um, and we saw probably two camps, two or three camps, driving um to where we ended up parking um but they you know so we passed a few and my whole mindset the whole time was we're gonna run into a bunch of hunters you can't let that get us down it's gonna happen it's colorado you're gonna see them um but i was actually surprised in exactly where we were that we didn't see more hunters um so that that was interesting Uh, we when we did pull into the parking where we ended up setting up there was a side by side there um and we ended up talking to the gentleman he came out at 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 night and um he had a bow but he had like a backpack on so he was just kind of going in like i don't know two three hundred yards just setting up for the evening and coming back out um very nice guy from pennsylvania family hunts there every year or in that general area um but they were going to move camp is what he mentioned to us that night so he left and that next morning, uh, we ended up going in. Now, when you hear somebody says we're moving camp and you've just parked there, um, what, how did that play with the head? (laughs) It didn't really. And and I'll tell you why, because just because of the fact of how he was hunting, um, it was a different style than what we were doing. And and I felt like we were going to go in a lot further than what he did just for, cause I could see what he had on his pack. Um, that he was just going in uh, just for that evening sit and which is by all means a good way to hunt it just I I thought our style was going to lend itself to we may have more success with Joe Gillian in a hunt like that because you go five (laughs) miles and turn around walk five miles back in an evening oh wow yeah well, and the gentleman, when he was walking out, said, hey, did you guys bugle over here? And, and we said, no. He said, oh, there must have been. That was an elk then. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that, that was an elk. Thanks. That sounds good. That's yeah, what you want to hear yeah. when you're pulling into a spot. Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> man. I'm right. So that evening, though, when we were, you know, probably about 9, 10 o'clock, they started going off and we had oh really we had, hear them bugling, we had two or three bugling uh which i thought was 300 400 yards but i'd never heard one before so it could have been four miles away i you know I, <laughs> wasn't four miles i promise yeah. you <laughs> yeah. but generally that type there, of country, within a quarter mile I, it was hard for me to kind of being new at it, I didn't really have an idea how close right? they were absolutely and that's big country too so yeah. like you can be I, I know for a fact, you know, we were within a couple, two or 300 yards from an elk and it bugling. It sounded like he's five miles away, but he wasn't but two or 300 yards, you know. And I think that's probably what the case was, but it just, yeah. at that time, it just seemed like, oh, they're probably further away. But at what awesome. point, at what point, John, did you guys just like stop and just friggin' look around and go, wow? That was it. I mean, when we yeah. heard those elk, we like, we just kind of looked at each other like, well, my checklist was to see an elk and hear a bugle. And right? we literally got out of the check. truck and within three hours we hear a bugle. And I'm like, all right, check. This is, yeah. this is cool. Yeah. Check that one off. Yeah. When you they're know, serenading you to sleep, it's, that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was pretty much you are the whole not night. sleeping. Did you sleep at all that night? 
No, not really. <laughs> no, I mean, none of us did, I don't think. Because I, I wanted to just keep hearing them to see, like, okay, they're here. Okay, are they here? I was just trying to keep moving with where we could, you know, we kept marking where we thought they were going. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that was a good strategy at, at, in the evening, you know, but we did it. And I, I just felt like in the morning, it was like four o'clock in the morning, we heard the last bugle. So it was like pretty much all night we heard something. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were pumped the next day, obviously, ready to go. And what elevation did you guys start out at? So I'm I think gonna, I'm gonna yeah, I, I'm gonna say the truck was probably um probably at ten something, ten five, ten eight, something like that. I mean, we we went up as high as we could with this Jeep <clears throat> Wrangler uh, until the road ended. Yeah. Did y'all kind of uh camp out there or did y'all give it some time to kind of acclimate or did y'all just kind of dive right in? Um, yeah, so that night we just camped there, um, but there was really no acclimating. Uh, the next morning we were we were getting in and looking for sign. I will say, though, I did some prep before we got there. I did get some altitude sickness meds, um, and, you know, you're supposed to take them a couple days before you get to altitude. Um, so I did that. One of the other buddies had been out west before. <laughs> Um, so he was, he's a snowboarder. He's, he's has family that lives in Colorado that he saw every once in a while. So, um, he said that's never been a problem for him. So he didn't have a problem. And my other buddy, um, didn't take any pills and he did, he did have a little bit of just, um, shortness of breath there for the first couple of days, but then, then he was fine. Oh, good deal, it's a real thing. It's the, re- it, you're flying into Denver that helped. Because you're already at 5,000, you know, it's a mile high city. You're already at 64. Yeah. 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 And we had three, four hour drive in the car. Helped a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. But 10,000 feet's a different animal. So we got eventually, we got up to 12.5 just just throughout the trip. Mm -hmm. Um, Not truly hunting elk at that point, but I wanted to see some different country. Mm -hmm. Hell, y'all were above the tree line. Oh yeah, that was yeah. that was up there. That's when it started. That's when it hit me. And mm. when we got up to that, I literally just got out my tent and I was like, "I'm I'm gonna take it a break." It was six thirty in the afternoon, in the evening, and I didn't wake up to the next morning. I'm I was just it was just too much for me at that point. So y'all bivouacked out the whole time. Y'all didn't come back to your base where the jeep was. Y'all stayed <clears> out. We did when when it was time to um, pack out. Gotcha. All right, so it's it's the next morning, man. You've been listening to them all night. Go from there. Yeah, so we're getting everything. You know, you can imagine three guys in a Jeep Wrangler with three frame packs um, trying to get organized. We definitely were not hitting the woods at first light. We t- It just took us a little longer to get going. Um, but when we did, we dropped right in, and we started seeing sign. Um, but to me, you know, old – old sign right um so we just kind of kept kept just working um what made you think it was old sign but you like old um scat poop dry you know Um, okay dry hard you could see the rubbing rubbing on the trees but you could tell it wasn't fresh you didn't see which i'm used to white tails you see a lot of the that bark and right there at the bottom yeah you could see it was uh it was a little older cool so we just kind of kept working um, through the timber. Um, and, you know, at this point, we ended up stopping at one point, probably about 10 o'clock and just saying, hey, we pinned where we thought we heard them at four o'clock in the, that morning. 
Um, let's just see if they come back or if they're going to work through this area. Um, so we just ended up posting up for about an hour or two, had like breakfast there and just kind of listened. Um, never ended up hearing an elk at that point and just kind of decided just kind of pushing a little further. I mean, we, it was day one. So it's like, do you want to be aggressive or do you want to just kind of so limp along until we kind of get understanding where they may be at right so you're saying push a you know push a little further so when you're saying that are you guys actually <laughs> on a on a trail on a mm, on a no. forest trail are you bushwhacking and is that further going up higher in altitude is it going into a mountain range what it kind of point that out a little bit all right so on um it was not on trail we were definitely off trail pretty much okay. the whole trip mm-hmm. um Good. And it was more bushwhacking for sure. It was really thick where we were at. Um, and we were pretty much staying at the same elevation line. Um, and then at one point, it kind of gradually dipped off. But we're so about what elevation were you guys staying at? So right at like 10, 8, 10, okay. 6 is where we had parked the car, the Jeep. And we literally kind of stayed on that. There was kind of like a, a ridge, a big ridge top flat where we could kind of just keep working through. And that's mm-hmm. ended up what we, what we did for most of the morning. Um, and then we did ended you see up. see any elk that morning? We did not see any elk that morning. Gotcha. No. <clears throat> did you hear any more bugles that morning? Not the morning. Nope. Gotcha. No. All right. Let's rock. Yeah. So. Uh, we ended up hanging out, um, just taking it easy for a little bit. Uh, and then we kept pushing. And I, at this point, we're starting to kind of go off through the corner of the ridge and then work our way more left, kind of working our way back down a little bit. So we're starting to get a little bit lower elevation at this point. Um, and it's probably midday at this point. You know, we, we weren't trying to go quick. We were trying to just kind of take our time, look for sign. And we're new. So we were taking, I took a couple pictures of some elk beds because it was cool because I've never yeah. seen one before. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what you're going to do. Oh, um, I've never seen elk beds. That's a good sign, brother. Hey, Cole, yeah, what was I doing was a- when we were scouting, man? And and we've been doing this. I've been doing it 40 years. What was I doing when we were scouting? Rolling in there, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were picking up stuff and taking video in the elk beds and absolutely you know. yeah. dude I, I don't care if you're just a starter or how long you've been doing it that it doesn't get old no. well dude and that's putting the puzzle together right you guys yes. are putting the puzzle together at your at your pace right yeah. and the perfect way to go jumping into something where you just flew in the day before from the east coast you know yeah. you're brand new there there wasn't any reason to just go try to jump in and and blow everything out you know yeah. right you try to stay close to the uh water source or or food or dark timber well a, we is there there was a any kind of batter you you were trying to follow or yeah so we hadn't really found the water yet we had oh, i mean we had so many pins um on where we saw you could see creeks in the topo and you could see the maps on the onyx that showed creeks um, so we pinned everything, but we just hadn't worked our way through that at that point. Um, it's big country. It's yeah, huge, yeah. And I guess in all those areas where I said the elk bed and the rubs and things, we're, we're stopping to put a waypoint on everything. Yeah. I mean, we waypointed everything. You could just see what's a whole lot of elk scat. Like if you looked at my onyx, it just was red mark after red mark. Um, and it just looked like a general elk trail you know they were using it at some point it just wasn't at that time yeah right 
Good and point. I wanted to do that because um, being new, uh, the thought process was, I want to come back. And yeah. if, you know, this is where I'm just building, do you, you think, know, my well, portfolio. Well, it takes a lot of time to do all that going. too. It takes a lot of time to do that. You're constantly working with your electronics and it takes a lot of time, which is really playing into what you want because going slow is really a good thing when you're archery hunting, man, oh, yeah. and taking your time. Cause really the elk are coming to you at that point, you know, and uh, especially in the midday, cause they're going to get up out of their beds and move around a little bit and stuff like that. So do you um, think, bravo, uh, man. do you think they were pushed uh, by the early hunters? Uh, I mean, they were there. You, you, you pick a you hear really good area. So you saw many signs. So, yeah, I think yeah, what we learned, I think later on in the trip, um, I think a, the muzzleloaders had a lot to do with where we ended up finding some elk <laughs> is what I believe. And I'd love to get your guys' yeah. perspective, yeah. having done this a, a hell of a lot longer than me. <laughs> yeah, so. no, that's good, brother. Well, I'm trying to remember at that time what the moon was doing, too. We had a full moon on the, night, uh, on the 20th. Yeah, uh -huh. that's so why you were we hearing them so good at night. And yeah. that was another, that was one of those things. Like, that was the week we had. And uh, that was one thing going into it from a mental spec. We're like, man, I don't know. That's not really the best week for us uh -oh, to be going. Don't worry right? about the moon, bro. Nah, we don't yeah. worry about, don't yeah, worry a, about that. That's a whitetail mindset, I guess. Yeah. Big time. And, and I don't even worry about it then. These guys still do the same things. You know, they're all like, we say this a thousand times if you listen to the podcast. They're all, they're slaves to their yeah. They're slaves to their bellies and they're at, they're where they're at. Right. You just got to find out where they're at, you know, and they're you know, slaves I, to their bellies. You and know? I hear Manano, he's like, well, you know, you didn't hear him in that area where you heard him, but that's just part of it. I mean, when they're up all night in that moon, yeah, you know, there, there's a point up. where they do go bed down. And, and a lot of times they're going to, you know, they're going to shut up for a while there. They've been screaming all night long. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. So you're doing the right thing, dude. You're in the yeah. area, you're seeing the sign and you're enjoying the moment. You're doing the photo thing that everybody does. Keep going, man. Yeah. So, and, and let me ask point, you one other thing oh, while yeah, you're moving ahead, through. Ahead. Are you calling at all? Are y'all calling at, or are y'all staying At this style? point, um, no. Yeah, this okay. was probably pushing uh, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, no problem. Um, Did you do anything in the morning? No. Okay, okay. cool. Right. No, okay. and, and again, I, and I think I you're Joe, doing the right thing personally. Good. Okay. Awesome, yeah. brother. Go ahead. Yeah. And we, obviously this is our first thing, yeah. trip, right? But we've, we're not callers, right? This, this elk calling thing is new. And I, I, the buddy of mine who was ended up doing a lot of the practicing for calling, you know, and I know you guys probably went through this at one point, but you're a little self-conscious. You're like, oh. okay, there's probably other hunters here. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to call. I'm going to sound like an idiot. And this is probably not the best thing to do. So <laughs> you got to just... hear me. Bro, <laughs> you hear especially me. when you got <laughs> so, so look, these two guys fun. here on the left, bro, they're world champions, right? So, yeah, do you get a little self-conscious? Sure, but I don't worry about it anymore because at the end of the day, man, elk don't sound like every everyday elk callers, right? They got yeah. their own way to sound. And, and like you said, man, you get a little self-conscious, but you just got to keep doing it until you feel like that, man, well, I can make an elk sound, you know, right. and uh, sometimes it's not even good, but I've heard elk sound really bad. So it's, <laughs> it, don't worry about those it's, kinds. It's, it's amazing because a lot of hunters feel like almost like they're on stage. 
yeah. you know, when they're out there. I did. A- am I, I going did. to make a sound and scare everything off? You know, <laughs> and and really honestly, man, and I hope everybody's listening is that again, I always talk about your odds, right? Is if you don't make a sound, it doesn't matter if you scare them off sometimes because right. you're not going to bring them in either. You're just going to walk by them. If yeah. you make a sound, well, let's say you scared some off, but you brought others in. You're actually creating at least an opportunity. And That's and like right. Gilbert said, man, elk, the worst callers I've ever heard were elk. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I said I had that happen the day before the last day this year. I didn't believe it was elk. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, right, you know, I, we, we live by Joe's motto. If you hear a bugle, you got to go chase. It. You got to go find it out. Find out no matter how bad it sounds, no matter how good it sounds, you got to go check. Yeah. Right. So he always, you know, you're going to know once you get in there and you start doing what we do, those hunters, if there is a, a hunter bugling, he's coming right at you because he's going to think there's a herd of elk coming his way. So I want to hear more of this story, yeah, dude. Come sure. on, John. Yeah. So <laughs> at this point, it's probably midday. Um, my two buddies, Josh and Richard, um, were just, they took a little break. You know, they're just hanging out for a bit. And I decided, because I had on, I had marked a <laughs> creek bottom um, down in this lower part of this timber, and it backed up to some of the, some private and some BML land back in there. And I was like, well, you know, it's not too far away. You guys are just going to hang out here. I'm going to go down there and check it out. Like, why not? Um, hindsight, probably not the best thing. <laughs> probably been best to bring my buddies with me. Um, <laughs> you know, you came together. Let's go together. Let's hunt together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they ended up probably taking a little nap, just hanging out. So I go down probably 400, 500 yards, maybe. Um, but it's super thick. I mean, the Aspen's super thick. Um, it was tough to even get my pack through some of the stuff. And then it opened up a little bit and I could see, um, one side of this, uh, left side of this mountain. So I just sat there, I'm like glassing for a little bit, but it's, it's the sun's beating down on that side. I thought to myself, what am I doing? Like, they're not going to be out there in the, the sun, just getting beat, beat it down on. So I would go down a little bit further and I take myself a little break and I'm just, just sitting there for a little bit. I'm just looking around the creeks. I could see was going down, um, but it was all blown down timber. It looked gnarly. Um, and I'm just sitting there and have a little snack and I hear what I thought was a bugle. And I'm, and I'm like telling myself, I don't know if that was one or not. Like I, you know, because it, it started to get pretty windy too. Um, and then I'm just listening to more. And I hear another one, same area. I'm like, that's gotta be an elk. Right. But it's but there's private land um, that's down that way. I'm like it could be another hunter on private. Um, I hear it again. It was pretty consistent. It was like one after another. Like every couple of minutes, I heard it. I'm like I gotta go. I, I gotta go down there. Um, so I started working through the thick stuff so I could get it to um, a little bit more open area so I could kind of hear better um, because it was so thick and windy. You know the leaves and everything. It's very hard to kind of hear at distance um so i get through a little bit more opening and i could hear it. i definitely knew it was elk and you knew i still wasn't convinced if it wasn't a hunter because again <clears throat> i knew so i didn't really am i going to walk up on another hunter who sounds really good to me it was a bugle i'm going to investigate it 
right? I mean, I'm here to hunt. We're going to do that. Atta boy. Yeah. Um, but I do post up, I had, um, a GPS. Um, so I ended up with the Garmin in reach. So I ended up hitting up the buddies and say, Hey guys, I think I hear elk down here. Here's my, here's where I'm at. Come meet me here. Grinders tuning in. Thank you for listening to the blue collar elk hunting podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Basecamp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing in achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. But I didn't have, the wind was really bad. From where the elk was, it was down below me. Mm -hmm. Um, But the wind was at my back. And I knew he wasn't going to smell me because he, from my knowledge he was below down in this real thick bottom um but in order for me i couldn't go right at him i wanted to go straight down this real thick um gnarly country basically um a lot of down trees and then get around and come back up with the wind in my face and i'm going down at that point so i'm trying to get lower to him um on his level um but I'm not very patient. So I ended up telling the guys, meet me here. Mm-hmm. But I still heard him bugling. And, and guys, when you hear an elk bugling for their first time, um, and you're in a country like Colorado, um, you're not going to want to wait on your buddies at all times <laughs> before you decide. Yeah, hey, just convoluting it. Yeah, like I just need to get a little closer. So when they do meet up with me, I'm 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 staying where I know where this guy's gonna be. Because if they show up and I can't hear him or I don't know where he's at, I mean, what's the point? Um, so I'm multiple times through my trying to cut through this, I'm telling them I'm I'm here. 
And then another waypoint, I'll tell them I'm here. So I'm literally just giving this path to where I, I want them to continue to follow me because I'm continuing to kind of see if I can get around on this elk. Um, which I do, I ended up getting down and, and it opened up to a little uh, meadow where I could cut down and get back into the timber and I had the wind in my face, which was perfect. Um, and I ended up, what I thought, I was told you guys earlier, I heard it like consistent bugles, right? I heard one, right. then I heard another one. Um, as I was moving back into the country to come back to where the elk were, it ended up being two elk. I, I could hear them kind of talking back and forth to each other. Like one was bugle and the other one bugle. Um, so I, at this point, I was pretty confident. It's not a hunter. There's two elk down there. Um, at this point, um, my buddies finally get down. Um, I say down. They were probably 400 yards above me um, to where my basically my first waypoint was. They hadn't really, since I kind of came down and, and went down in the bottom, they hadn't gotten close to that yet. Um, and I hear them call. I hear my buddy call and I could tell the difference. Um, I love him and he got, he got way better as we got going, but that was the whole thing. I had to keep telling him the whole time, like, you got to have that confidence. Just do it. Who cares? Like, there you um, go. but I heard him call and I'm like hitting them up. Like I try to get them on the inreach. Like, why are you calling? Like, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm way down here. I got two elk down here. Y'all need to come up, meet with me and let's, let's see if we can put a game plan together. Right. Um, and then I hear a bugle, above me 400 yards right where they're at um i'm like what is going on they heard it too yeah they heard it too <laughs> yeah. so yeah. so they're telling me hey got i got a i got a bull right here um, <laughs> you need to come to us <laughs> and at this point i feel like i'm 300 yards um close to the two elk that are right what i believe are right here and they're above me calling to another elk. Um, so it got crazy. And, and this is one thing, I think the communication, you guys do this a lot with the group dynamic, um, right? When you guys are hunting together, you, you guys have a feel for who's doing what and when. We hadn't learned that yet. So we, our communication was off. And that's a lesson learned that we, we talked on the ride back home, how, how we can sync that up. And it's, yeah, but it's sometimes, all me. Sometimes, dude, look, sometimes it it's elk hunting and things get crazy you're down there where you think you have some bulls they start calling and which is something that you hadn't done right you hadn't called so you know the elk don't know to come into you where you're at they let off a call and you think well he's not that great my buddy but keep working at it but he has an elk respond to him and he has oh. things going on right yeah, yeah yeah and i'll say um when that the walk is the walk that i was doing in when i was trying to get the wind right mm -hmm. i did let out a couple cow calls All on right. the uh, diaphragm I, I don't know how i mean i'm sure they were terrible but we, i kept a couple of those going as i was walking through that uh thick timber cool um and i think at one point i i definitely spooked an elk um I never saw it, but I could just, I mean, it's pretty hard not to tell how heavy those hooves <laughs> hit the ground. I, and I don't know how I didn't see it because it yeah. seemed like it was like 40 yards in front of me as loud as it was. And I never saw it. Well, so just so for our listeners though, here, you're going down through thick stuff and you're, you're obviously making noise, right? Um, guys, that's fine. That's good. You make a couple of cow calls, elk, think you're elk. Most likely the animal that you spooked was coming into you. Mm -hmm. Um, you're moving. They're still, they're looking. 
and probably caught you and you might have blown that one out of there. But being noisy in the elk woods when you're making elk sounds is not a bad thing. It actually, yeah. I've brought animals. I've had a bull come into me scream because I was doing just that. So awesome, man. Keep rocking. So, so I hear him calling and I, I could tell at this point, he's 400 yards above me. I have elk kind of below me. And it sounds like the elk he's calling to is coming to him. And, and my mindset was like, I'm going to get in the middle of them. Like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, the wind was right for where the I was. Perfect at. Storm. I, I'm just, yeah. I mean, let's just see how this works. So I push Got up in the middle of a rut fest, buddy. I push up. Yeah. Gilbert, I pushed up further into them. Um, and at this, I'm not bugling. I'll be fully transparent. That's not in my skill set at this point. But you did the best thing you could do. Strong suit for you, ninja. Go yeah. straight deer hunt mode. Get in there, Mohican sneaking, man. You can hear them. You can get to them. You know. <laughs> so I scoot up and I wait to see what's going to play out. If this one above is going to work down to where these other two are, and they're all going to have a party and we're, we'll have it together. Um, and it, I ended up. What ended up happening is uh, they got this elk uh the bull to come in within 20 yards of them uh and they ended up getting video of them keep in mind i am the only one with the tag these two <laughs> oh, gentlemen <laughs> oh we didn't know this the ride we didn't know this you you wait a second now you got buddies without a guy with the tag Baby. And they're up there calling the elk into yeah. them and they don't have a tag. Yeah. So he was hitting me up on the communication and he's like, I just can't get a hold of this guy. So he told, he told Richard, he's like, this elk's right here, Richard, me and you are going to see an elk on this trip. I'm calling him in. That's what he tells him. <laughs> okay. Tell me, come out. Do they have a bow with them or anything? No tags. No, no, bow. no bow. And this wow. is what good, good friends are Dude, because they came on this trip just for me right support oh, but they wanted to see an elk straight too. up so straight up brothers right there oh yeah ride or die so but again no they're doubt. calling an elk when i'm down below waiting for them to come to me so, <laughs> yeah that ain't cool man. we can talk about that later <laughs> yeah 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 that, and they're getting the video they're like oh man yeah. we're oh, yeah, to see this. 20 yards. got a party going on oh, yeah right here. Broadside, 20 yards I and we come to find out because he ended up showing the video to uh, some of the locals in town. Wow. Uh, they were like, Oh yeah, that's a 300 inch bull. That's an awesome bull for Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little more salt. Uh, yeah. It's like, all right, dude, I did that to Kyle one time. I lost Kyle in the middle of a call in and I still had that bull going that Kyle was going after, but there was another one. I was like, well, I got to see this bull. So I went ahead and called him up and got video of him and all that the same way. Oh, and I had on, build my tag oh, wow. <laughs> and that's yeah that's what he wanted to do and they got a great view both of them so they got their fix in right there Sweet. so after that happened how he, far away did they get to the bull 20 oh, they were 20 yards bro. 20 yards 20, wow. 20 yards he got a good video Straight. joe I, 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 he took a couple screenshot pictures i i'll send them to you joe i mean it's it's a nice looking bull they that bull runs off they finally get to where i'm at and at this point um they're both stoked, super excited. One's Josh, my buddy's really pumped because he was able to call in his first elk, never bugled before until that trip. So he's pumped. But they're telling me 
I saw a 300 inch bull. This was so awesome. And I'm like, guys, I have two elk down here still. We can make this happen. Like, let's, let's calm down. Let's figure this out. And I probably said it with a little more choice words at that point. It's like, let's get something, let's get something happening here, fellas. Yeah, help uh, the guy out that's got the tag. How about it? Yeah. Are, are you saying you went unleashed, man? I might have went a little unleashed. <laughs> oh, I, don't blame you. Yeah. I guarantee uh, you, I don't, I don't let it fly. But the communication back and forth, and it, it was on me, because I, when I said I'm here, I should have waited for them to catch up with me. But yeah. again, so we're, we're together at this point. Um, we know there's elk below us, or not below us, I'd say below us, probably, I don't know, 100 yards below us. I mean, not far, but they were 300 yards. What I heard, 300 yards. It could have been 100 yards, Gilbert, like mm-hmm. you were saying. Sure. Because yeah, sure. they were on the other side of this kind of like hill where the mm-hmm. this park was, and they could have been right there. But if they sure could have been. Yeah, so, so it seemed like 300 yards to me. So, so just to help listeners here too, sometimes in trying to judge that, if you are on a hillside that goes down and the hill goes up on the other side, right? It's, it's harder for you to hear the elk below you on the same ridge that you're on than an elk across the ridge where they're bugling straight at you. They'll actually sometimes, you know, sound a little farther away when they're closer because they're in the trees below you and it's not going through that than when they're over there on a side and, and they're bugling at you, you know, direct like that. And sometimes they can actually sound a little closer than what they are. And you, he said it was windy too, Joe. So with that big wind, if you're hearing them, they're a hell of a lot closer than you think. Depending yeah. on which way the wind's blowing. Yeah, depending on which way the wind's blowing towards you, yeah. it's going to carry sound towards yeah. you. So really it's, there's an art, man, to trying to figure out yeah. how close how an elk is man mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so cool john rock yeah, yeah so we, we still at this point it, it the wind had died down a little bit we're probably getting into the four o'clock hour Ooh. the winds died down a little bit but it's still in our face um so we still have we're still in a game right um so we make a game plan uh, my buddy josh is on the bugle tube apparently while they were having their adventure they found an elk shed too um so they had brought that down and um my buddy got positioned um basically kind of like a the timber line if you will so they were he was stuck in a thick cover um and i pushed up which i told him i said hey i'm gonna push up a little bit further here you know which ended up being like probably like 60 yards because i had a lot of broken uh a lot of trees and um in front of me or in this general area before it hit the meadow and the meadow kind of went up at a hill and went back down. And that's where we felt they were back in that bottom. Um, so he's super pumped from the encounter he had. So by I'm walking saying, all right, I'm going to get ready. Let me get set up. He lets out a bugle. And, and I wasn't even like, I had probably taken like, I was probably 20 feet from him at that point. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? I got to, I got to get up here. Um, and the, the elk bugle back at us oh, and it was like, and cool. it still seemed like the same 300 yards. Um, I was like, all right, but I still can scoot up. So I was ended up scooting about 70 yards. Like I said, uh, and I was ready to rock. Um, he, the elk bugles again, and my buddy basically kind of cut him off. And we had a conversation later about cool. this, um, because, um, he's a big turkey hunter and, um, that's the way we treated this hunt was we're going to go in it. Like we hunt turkeys, like we're going to be aggressive and we're going to try to cut them off. Or we're going to try to, I think if you know animals and you've hunted enough, 
you don't have to be like hunted elk a lot to know how you can be aggressive towards any animal if you can kind of just make them upset right like i mean there's in that particular time of year timing just needed to make them upset what kind of so let me ask you one question john when they were bugling were they long drawn out bugles or were they short raspy bugles uh, i'm gonna say long drawn out is what i th- and again did they chuckle at the end of it? Did of, they go <laughs> did they chuckle uh, at all yeah i'm not gonna i don't think i heard a lot of that and okay. again i think that was the wind and with them being 300 i don't know if i heard a lot of that chuckling is that what we're calling it at the gotcha. end yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, so the thing is, dude, you're out there and you're hearing your first bugle screaming and you're trying to get up and wetting your drawers right now, man. You yeah. can care less about long, short or whatever. Right, just... right, right. Yeah. At that point, I, yeah. So I, I just, Y'all knew. just decided to challenge you. Hey, Gilbert, we had bulls. All right. We had exactly. bulls and that's what I knew. Uh, right. No, but so, <laughs> so I get set up. Um, he ends up, my buddy, after he cuts off the bull, he's raking <coughs> with the, the antler he there had. And then oh, he, cool. There he, we go. He raked the tree. Uh, he basically broke the antler. He was raking the tree so bad. Right? Oh, wow. But he only bugled twice. Mm-hmm. Once he was raking the tree, the wind shifted immediately. We, it was in our face the whole time. And it's getting later in the day. So we were anticipating, like, the thermals are going to drop down lower. Mm-hmm. which where these elk were, it shouldn't have played a part in it, but the wind shifted and went back up the hill. And I don't know um, if it was the right thing to do. I think in hindsight, it probably was, but I just instinctively just um, ran up the hill further. Like I went up the hill 20 more yards and I'd always thought of a lot of animals when they're coming in to fight or they're coming in to check something out, they're not going to come at the same level as you They usually like to have like a higher ground. Right. And I, I respect that's probably elk as well. Um, so I just got up the yeah. hill about 20 yards thinking if he's going to come around like a whitetail would want the fight, he's going to come circle around and get in that wind and he's going to want to smell or come over the top see. where he can see down in that bottom before he commits. Perfect. That was what I was thinking. So I ended up running up the hill about 20 yards and, and stopping. And as soon as I got there, I had a bunch of trees still in, in my view. I could just see white tips. And I'll never forget this moment. White tips coming over this the over the little hill. I, I could just see him. I'm like, that's that's an elk right there. He's coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had buck feeder, fever before. Yeah. And, um, but it was weird because it was really surreal how this, I thought he was 300 yards away. I just ran 20 yards up because the wind shifted mm-hmm. and he's right there. Like they cover with, ground it seemed fast, like brother. maybe he was only a hundred yards away right? or he just yeah. moved so quickly. I think right? he was. Yeah. Yeah. So but they can go, buddy. I mean, 300 ain't nothing for them to yeah. cover. So I just saw the white tips. I could saw come over, come over the top, and I was like, I I know he's legal. I could see, yep. you know, at least five or six on each side. Like he's, that was the mindset first. Was like just make sure he's legal. I, that's one thing, you know. Somebody coming out of state who's never hunted elk before, that's not an area that I wanted to deal with. I wanted to sure, make sure, 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 you know, because any elk would have looked huge to me, and I just wanted to make sure of that. So he comes over he bugles right there on the top just picture perfect just bugles right at us and it was the loudest thing i've ever heard it was just it was super cool i mean it was amazing um 
And then he kind of peels off to the left. And there's all this brush and trees right there. Um, and as he gets behind the trees, I draw. And I'm just, I'm just there waiting for him to clear. He just needed to come through the trees another two or three steps. And I'd, it'd be a beautiful 20-yard shot. Uh, he doesn't. He stops right behind. So if you can picture just seeing the whole elk, um, a whole elk body, but everything is covered up but his head and his antlers. <laughs> and, I, so I'm like, and I'm, yeah. I'm looking at him, man, and I know man, my boo-boo. wind is going up that way. Um, but he hadn't – I know he hadn't came into it yet. He probably – when I needed three or four more steps, that's probably when he was going to hit it. Um, and I looked into the tree, and it was like this um, pine tree, and it had a, a good hole – which to me at the time, in that moment at 20 yards, I felt like that hole was right in the vitals. Because I thought he, when he came off that hill, he was coming broadside. So I, I settled it, and I was calm. I was not shaking. I felt really good with the execution of the shot. And I went right in um, this, I mean, probably like a pie-sized hole. At 20 yards, I felt really good. Um, released the arrow went right through the hole I was and it hit him and he takes like three or four more steps out in front of me and I could see that where how he was coming he was going to come down to my buddy and I thought he was coming uh more broadside but he was quartering quartering hard and and maybe Mm -hmm. even stronger quarter than I thought he was Mm -hmm. so my arrow goes uh back you know I could tell once I saw him it didn't go through I could see I'm shooting, I don't know, 31 inch. I got a long draw. Mm-hmm. I could see that a lot of arrow went in them. There was only a little bit showing from the fletching. Um, but I knew it wasn't good. I, would, I didn't feel good about it. It wasn't comfortable. Uh, it didn't feel comfortable once I saw the arrow. So, he, but he didn't seem like he was hit much. Like you, you could tell when it, a deer gets hit, they roll out. He just kind of trotted off. Um, and I immediately got another arrow and I'm like, at this point, he, he kind of circles back and it's cutting back up the hill. Um, and it just was so thick. I tried to stop him. I, I, I even drew back again, ready. And I just never could get him to stop before he went up into the thicker, uh, thicker country. So at that point, my buddy who's back was super excited because he just found out that I had released an arrow um, and they're coming up to me. He's pulling out a video camera, and I'm like, "Don't say a word, guys. Everybody, just calm down. Let's just sit down right here." He's like, "Did you feel good about it?" I'm like, "No, I didn't feel good about it." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this this elk is can't be more than 100 yards up here in this yeah. timber. I just yeah. he I know he didn't go far. Let's calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of regrouped a little bit. That, was, we just that was a good. That was that was a good call, and that takes a lot, and it took a lot first of all in the awareness now you know the the i've been in that position where you're not sure about what's showing up in a tree um with Me that too. and i've been able to put together the pieces of what was going on and actually make one of those shots too so that's always a little sketchy anyway right there um but 
you know, when you saw the shot and you had the realization and you stayed in the game yeah. to be able to see where you hit that, to see how much of your arrow was buried, uh, all of that. And then to have enough control of your emotions to not go through the dog pile screaming, yelling that you just, in other words, it was where you hit was more important than just sticking an animal. And that's yeah. huge right there. Yeah. So um, I, I just want to commend you on that and, and having the, the mindset to keep everybody calm because you're right. If that animal's up there and he's got an animal, he could bed down or you could blow him out and it could be, it could be case hurrah, hurrah. So yeah. good job there. Go ahead, man. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was thinking as far as, we're going to bump this elk out and he's going to be gone. Um, there was a, a thought process at one point that was like, should I try to sneak up on this thing? Uh, and, and it just immediately went out. It, it was one of those things where you always hear when in doubt back out. And that's what we did. Literally awesome. turned around. We went back down the hill. Um, the best thing of being backcountry backpack hunters is we have our camp with us. Yeah. So it's getting late in, in the evening. I, we literally just go 150 200 yards down we didn't think he was going to go up I, my personal opinion i didn't feel like he was going to be going uh continue to go up i thought he was hit enough that he was going to either bed down where where we last saw him or you know maybe go down to water um because i i got i think i got in the guts right um so it was a restless night we camp um i'm pulling out onyx and looking immediately mark where i shot and starting to do uh, what I thought was going to be our grid search in the morning. And I wanted to get an area, you know, where you can do the area view and see how much acre or whatever you're going to go ahead and want to grid search. Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of set up an area for that. Um, and so that how long night were you thinking with the shot that you made on, how long were you thinking in your head that you'd have to give this animal? I mean, I would think I was thinking the whole I don't know. I was almost thinking like the whole night, like day, like I just, I personally, I felt like where he was hit, having heard so much about how strong and how these animals can take a lot. Amazing. I was thinking he could have been in the next County personally. That's where you, I, you my head push was him that though, night. Man. And, and when they're hurt in the liver or in the gut, they're going to get sick yeah, and they're going to go lay down. In the first place he lays down, as long as coyotes or wolves or something or bear doesn't get him up, he's going to stay right there. And then they get a little thing called paranitis, and that takes in. They get a blood disorder, and it's it's a long night for them. But at the end of the day, I mean, I shot my first bull I ever killed, this bull that's right here above me. I shot him in the liver. I, you know, I got a piece of a lung and all of the liver, and uh, Joe made the call. We're going to back out and let him lay. And uh, it was all night and then seven, eight hours into the morning before we went back out, out there on him. And when we rolled up on him, he was still warm, wasn't he, Joe? Yeah, yeah. And because uh, when you say you don't know how much liver you get or how much right. gut you get, and, I mean, we've had animals go as long as 26 hours, 30 yeah. hours. So yeah. you hate to see that, but you hate to even worse go and push one when in that situation. So great decision, man. So go ahead with your story, bud. Yeah. Yeah. So I but I was disappointed in myself. That just wasn't one I wanted to come out there. Do. You wanted to be yeah. as hunters. We wanted to be a clean, ethical kill. Sure. Um, so th that was weighing on me that night. So we go back to camp. Uh, like I said, I started to look at what we were going to do from a grid search in the morning. Um, and that night, 
um, we again had, because we didn't really get out of what was considered a, what I felt like was a good hunting area. That's where some action was happening. Right. We camped there. I mean, we, that, that was, that's what we had to do. Um, so we had again, a t- probably two or three elk bugling bulls bugling throughout the right. night again. Wow. Um, and we literally had one elk, uh, bull that was probably steps from our tent that night. <laughs> um, uh, my buddy has a sidearm and he ended up putting on, on his chest, like this thing's going to run us over. Like, <laughs> it, it was literally steps from the tent. Yeah. Um, wow. It, That's cool. Yeah. Man. It was, it was pretty crazy. I was like, did you guys hear that? My one buddy slept through the whole thing. I don't know how he did that. But... <laughs> so we Your were like it. me. Yeah. We were in a little highway at that point. So mm-hmm. it, ideally you wouldn't want to camp there, but that's, I think we had to do that. Um, but that was a cool experience to kind of see through. So the next morning we get up, um, I, I probably like seven o'clock. We wait until it got light. I wanted to go back to where I shot and just, to, cause I didn't even, we didn't even go back over there, um, to look for blood or nothing. It was just, let's go. Good um, job. Yeah. Real good job. Yeah. So we ended up going back on the same, basically the same trail the elk took to get to us. We could just see a nice worn out trail. Um, so we got on that. Um, I was ready to go release in hand because I was in a position where we need to, you never know what's going to happen. Absolutely. Here. Um, I, I should have, this is one thing I would have done differently. I was probably should have walked in front of these guys, um, but they, they ended up where where we went they ended up walking first so i had my both of my buddies were in front of me because we were at this point just walking to where i shot last shot we weren't even going in to look yet um but as soon as we crested the hill that the elk as i mentioned earlier with the white tips coming over as soon as we crested the hill they uh i could hear them in front of me saying shoot i was like well what are you talking about there's i'm definitely not taking another elk i mean i have one it's, it's a burnt tag if we don't find this thing right um and they're like no he's right there and, and i look beside, around them and the elk is bedded 10 feet from where i shot him wow he, he must have went up and realized he couldn't go up any further he must have just came back down sick, and bedded right really there. sick yeah so he was wow. bedded right there um once they saw the first buddy was there, he ended up standing up. Um, I was able to just get the range on him because I wanted to make sure. I didn't think he was going to go anywhere. Uh, 46 yards. I just got around my buddy, told him not to move, um, and drilled him right there. He didn't go but 10 yards and, and fell over. Fantastic. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, boy. Dude, At you did the point, right thing, like, John. Oh, yeah. it was a, I tell you what, guys. It was bittersweet, though, because I respect elk um, all the animals that i hunt i it it wasn't that um kumbaya like for me it wasn't i i I don't know what it was i think um it's that's gonna drive my hunger to go do it again and uh try to get one the just the right way yeah and and look brother we've all been there okay everybody every every one of us that have done this bow hunting thing have made shots that man, if we just could have done it different. Right. And, and we all have that. And, and it was the longest night of my life when I killed that bull right there. And I had been on some back ends of shooting bulls and not being able to recover them. Right. So it had really gotten me questioning. And look, man, I, you know, I've killed 
hundred truckloads of whitetails and pigs and stuff like that. But having one of these critters wounded and not finding it, it just, it pains your soul, you know? So I get where you're coming from. So taken away from that, would you, if you had it to do over again, would you have took that shot through that hole or would you wait no. next time for a clear view? Yeah, exactly. Gilbert, I would not have taken the shot. I, good answer. I, yeah. I, I just felt like I thought I had a really good picture of it and just, um, I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I think I, I probably rushed it really. I mean, I felt like I Been didn't there, rush it because I took my time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but just, you're in that vortex. I, I think I saw what I wanted to see versus for sure. You, for sure. If he's going to step out three or four feet, yeah. is that what you need? That's right. what you need. That's right. Um, and if he blows out, I mean, guys, it was day one. Like, yeah, man, I, you know, whatever. Shot. Yeah. Day one again, uh, you know, day one and they're bugling all around you. Yeah. Right. So, so, so yeah, hindsight, definitely. Sweet. I would have done that differently for sure. Well, so, and that, and that's what learned. we're here to do is with our listeners and everything else is let's talk about that because, you know, there are so many good things that you've done. And then now we've gotten to an area where, man, if I have it to do over again, it's the same thing for me. I've passed a lot of scenarios and a lot of shots that just wasn't the right thing for me to do because I've been in your shoes and because I have had that done. The cool thing, brother, is that you got to lay hands on this bull because you did the right thing, John. Y'all made the decision to back out and to wait and to actually sneak back in there and not, you know, not go back in there just tromping around and not giving a dang. Y'all are actually looking and all of a sudden your buddies are like, Oh, man, he's right there, you know? Yeah. And he was, ten, like you said, 10 yards from where you shot him, you know? Yeah. But that's because you didn't push him. Yeah, you talked about your patience earlier, how you wasn't patient waiting for your buddies and this and that. Yeah. But really, when it really came down to um, you needing it, like you had the right patience, because if you would have made a different move after that shot, you know, Joe always talks about, we always talk about what you do after the shot is sometimes what way more important happens before the shot yeah. or, or, or coming up to the shot, you know? So you were 100% right because I've been there in that position, just like Gilbert said, I shot a bull one time and I didn't stop him and I hit him back and hit him in the liver and I got impatient. I was out there by myself and, and whenever I should have just pulled out, went back to the truck, I gave it like two hours and then went and I bumped the bull and I never found him, never saw him again, you know? Hey, he'd go and, three miles. Yeah. Wow. It, it, he went like seven, dude. I found him yeah. like six days later. Yeah. Um, wow. But yeah, you you nailed it in every, you know, I think every part of your hunt, really. Sure. Yeah. John, do you attribute that to your whitetail training, to your whitetail bow hunting techniques? Yeah. Do you attribute that that patience and waiting for them bow hunting and stuff but, like that? But at the, at the same time, I heard him say a lot of things that can tell, that I can tell this guy did. You know, he's been through his resources. He's been listening. He's been studying, you know, just in when you were talking about thermals alone, you know, Mm -hmm. there's so many people that come from the East that don't have a clue what a thermal is, man. And, you know, uh, when you talked about getting on the same level as the animal, that's something that you just don't pick up on your own because you don't do that back East. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're pretty much on the level with the animal there. So I can, you know, Hey, hey, Joe, don't get us. Come on. We got some, we got some Hills here in Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) I hope West Virginia too. So we got some mountains out there. That's true. I'm I'm so passionate. I'm so passionate 
talking yeah. about what you did and, and how you waited. You, yeah. And you can ask these guys, you know, the Venezuelan mafia always talk about, you know, the laws of Beto. And for me, it's a two hour deal, right? I watched my bull fall and, and pretty well saw him go down on video and everything and heard him crashing around. And I still waited an hour and 35 minutes before we walked up on him just because I know what kind of athletes these critters are, man. And if you bump one of them, you will never find them again. You know, but will you let him lay down and get sick and everything where you actually snuck back in there on him, got the second shot off of him? I mean, Joe's done it, you know, just the past year. I mean, Joe, how long did it take y'all to find that bull, Joe? 36 hours? Yeah, it was 30 hours before we Yeah, Yeah. I mean, and again, you did the right thing, man. I'm so proud of you guys and the work y'all put in. But it's like Joe said, the investment you made in yourself and all of the training that you got from, you know, whether it was uh, from the Internet or the the stuff that you derived from all of your training and everything led you to where you were releasing that shot and then knowing that you needed to back out and take the time. To John, how, how long was your journey of knowledge, man? I mean, when you decided you were going to do this, Great question, uh, how, how many hours did you, you know, spend soaking stuff in and, and, and growing the elk knowledge? Yeah. So I, I mean, we probably planned the trip, um, uh, probably, probably for about a year, um, when we said, Hey, we're going to go, this is happening. Um, so I was probably consuming something weekly, you know, like whatever it was, if it was y'all's podcast, you know, the, even the hunting public, the born and raised guys, like anything that I could get that was elk hunting related. Right. Um, and with the knowledge I've known just from white tails and turkey hunting and that type of stuff and kind of, kind of fusing the two to like, okay, this makes sense. I can relate to this, to what I've done in the past. And, or even um, fishing, you know, we've connected it to fishing. Yeah. Gilbert, I know yeah. has mentioned yeah. numerous times about, Hey, you don't leave, uh, you don't leave fish to go find fish. Exactly. Gilbert, I know I've heard you say that. Yeah. No. And look, man, we can't thank you enough for, you know, jo- joining in with us today and then and giving us a little bit of feedback on what we've said to you. You know, a, a lot of guys, you know, they'll write in the show, but we didn't, I didn't really know Joe that he was, uh, uh, you know, he listened to our podcast or any of that stuff. I just knew that he'd sent in something to you and, you know, maybe you'd listen to a couple of podcasts or whatever, but uh, I'm hoping that our knowledge that we give out helps guys bridge the gap. Do you feel like some of that knowledge that we spit weekly uh, helped, helped you guys this year, you know, build, build that bridge between not knowing anything about out West to now feeling armed. Like when we get there, Hey man, we're going to make this deal happen. Oh, certainly. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've had conversations between me and the other two guys. And, and I'll tell you this, the, the gentleman who was doing the calling, Josh, um, he learned a lot from you guys as far as like being aggressive, that rut scenario where he's raking yeah. the tree. I mean, that, that type it, of man. stuff was from you guys and how how you guys kind of play that paint that yeah. picture of what's happening. Right. He did a couple cow calls in that sequence to kind of make it seem like. Yeah. Um, so look, that's what certainly. killed. That's the kid. That's the whole thing that killed the cat brother. As soon as he hit that tree, that bull couldn't stand it anymore. He figured yeah. there was a hot cow down there. Bulls displaying for a hot cow. Y'all really wasn't talking to him. You were actually talking to that cow that he introduced there. Shoot, dude, it was on like Donkey Kong and he was coming to find out who was in his world, man. So when you saw them white <laughs> tips coming up, man, it had to be like, oh, oh, yeah. oh this and, is and I want to I want to emphasize this. And because I've you know, this is somebody that came from back east, had never been out west, 
had never seen an elk, had never heard an elk, got an OTC tag in Colorado and on day one of their hunt shot an elk. And, you know, there's a lot of people going, you know, he needs to go buy a lottery ticket. Right. I heard that on Facebook too. (laughs) (laughs) And look, here's where I am with, with that dude is that, you know, people talk about luck. It ain't luck when you're trying. You know, it, when, you know, luck is nothing but skill and opportunity meeting, Mm -hmm. and you have to create those opportunities. You went down into a section, you heard that elk, you went into those elk, you got your buddies down there. They started calling to the animal. It wasn't where you were sitting on a stump, taking a nap and a bull walked by and you shot it. You were trying, you were putting in effort. You had learned skill sets. You had prepped yourself. You did the logistics. You found the spot. You did the conversation there is nothing lucky about that dude Mm -hmm. and that's more than anything the place and we say this a lot when we're fishing you only as good as the area you're fishing in if the fish are there you 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 know you figure them out and catch it it's the same way for you you were only going to be as good as that area you laid your boots down in so bravo to you guys and looking at areas and figuring out hey man this looks elky we say fishy this looks elky right here. They're going to be elk in this I'll area. Find a sign. I'm taking pictures yeah. of beds. Yeah, you know. man. Heck Bravo yeah. to you. We heard them that night while we we're setting up camp. I mean, there, yeah. there was nothing in, in that whole setup that was wrong. Everything was right, especially when you heard them setting up, right? Yeah. I, I think, yeah, John. I was going to say last week we talked about being aggressive which actually means being active. And that's what you did. You know, you were active. Uh, you kept grinding, you know, you went down there, you heard the bugles and, and continued. Well, I do have one question that that's, I'm kind of wondering about, which some of the listeners may be wondering about too, is what were the logistics and getting the meat? Oh yeah. there you Oh, go. getting the meat home. Cause you that got Chad's a great question. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was at, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Chad, because I was going to say, Hey, the end, the story's not ended yet because yeah. <laughs> just, the now got, just starts. Right. Yeah. You, you haven't taken pictures yet, dude. What was your thought? Like once you finally were like, Oh my God, we did down. Right. And, and, and tell us about taking care of the bull and tell us about getting that meat back to the Jeep. And then, you guys did this on day two, right? Recovery. Yeah, it's morning yeah. of day two. You, you don't even have a plane ticket to fly out yet for another few days. So tell tell us the rest of the story. Yeah. So so w- once the bull was down, um, no, knowing that the shot wasn't good and what we talked about, um, t- to me having that bull right there and get that quick shot in, um, to me was the blessing because Damn that bull right. was down and we were processing that meat. I, we did take couple pictures together as a group um but i I was pretty adamant about like we are gonna go ahead and and take care of this elk and start the process it was in the morning you know it was gonna get warmer um i wanted to respect that animal as much as possible for what i put it through and we were going to make sure we kept every piece of the meat we could on that elk um so there's Mm -hmm. three guys um so i and again on the fly flight in because i'm new to the gutless method not done yeah. that before um i was watching videos how-to videos on that yeah. process um, but, and it, it seemed intimidating so guys that are listening um in that like have never done that before and you watch a couple videos and it seems like it's going to be a little too much i mean if you butchered a whitetail 
Um, it's just the a gutless version. method is the not a big thing. deal. Right. Right. So it's just a so much a larger animal. And that was the biggest <laughs> thing that like, yeah, yeah. Um, just seeing them and putting hands on antlers and seeing how big this thing was, was like, wow. Um, Got a scene. Oh, oh, oh yeah, dude. Awesome. Look at that, bro. Oh, that's that's a nice, cool. nice one. What a beautiful concert. He's a six by five. He had one, uh, one point broke off on his left side there, but uh, he was man, just fighting rascal, wow. man. <clears throat> I've heard oh, some people awesome, that when they kill their elk, will be like, yeah, you know, he wasn't a 300-inch bull. I'm like, guys, oh, what are you talking God. about? Any antler, any animal you kill <laughs> is a trophy. One you're going to Colorado OTC, Absolutely. you better 100%. be proud of that bull. Absolutely. Um, proud I, of that I bull. kill a trophy cow this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and it eats the same as mine, too. Care, right? Yeah. It can't right. eat the horns. Can't eat the antlers. Yeah. Oh, guys. Gorgeous. So you've processed it? Yeah, we ended up doing one side, did the gutless method, um, interloins went in a bag because um, we were eating those the next day. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't know why. I just had this inclination to go ahead and bring some spices in a Ziploc bag. And thank goodness I did. <laughs> I love um, it. The man was prepared. For thinking yeah, about I, yeah, I just thought, why not? You know, it's not yeah. a lot of weight. And maybe, you know, maybe we'll get lucky, you know. Um, baby's ass y'all yeah. killed it dude <laughs> so we ended up um quartering it out you know obviously and then we ended up boning it out so we boned out all the quarters um just to cut down on the weight yeah um yeah because it's heavy and, yeah it's heavy <laughs> so we had um basically where we ended up shooting the elk at we probably had it was right around from onyx there's a thousand uh thousand feet of elevation up um to get back on the same plane as the uh the jeep um, and it was pretty steep country and it was a lot of blowdown where we were. Um, so we ended up, um, uh, because it was the next morning, we ended up cutting it all up, quartering it up. Um, we ended up at this point, I'm trying to think when we ended up cutting it all up, we put it in game bags. Um, and we made one trip up to the truck, it's up to the Jeep. Um, we got it up on basically the flat, the same elevation as the Jeep. It's basically two miles from where the elk was shot to the Jeep. Oh, not um, bad. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. So, um, so, so I want I want everybody to hear that too. This was, I mean, from the, you know, <laughs> you know, most people from the, the trail point are going to go in six miles to kill an elk. You were uh, two miles in where you hit. Yeah. Them. Yeah. 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 Pretty so cool. we made one trip back up to the, not to the truck, but just up to the top, mm -hmm. found a good shaded spot for the meat, uh, came back down and did it one more time. And then we just kind of leapfrog, took all that other meat, one trip straight to the Jeep and did it again. Did you make um, you a little length, a little pole and hang it from up there? Or did you just lay it on the ground? Uh, no, we ended up uh, paracording it, getting up and getting it off the ground. Yeah, good. Gotcha. At each good, quarter, good every, every bag went up. Um, gotcha. and kept it off the ground. Good. Um, and the boning out process was, was pretty clean and easy too. And when you felt oh, yeah. the bone of that animal, uh, you know, of an elk leg, Seriously. how heavy, I mean, it oh, felt like it was God. like almost eight to 10 pounds. Like, I don't Every know what you guys think. Them, yeah. yeah. It was a lot. We oh, got man. the meat back to the Jeep. Um, and at this point, because this is a rental, we are flying right back and forth. Mm -hmm. We ended up going into the local town and we, uh, beforehand logistically i made sure to know where the uh meat process and the butchers were in the area 
And a funny story, I ended up asking a question on that on the Facebook Colorado page, uh, hunting page. And um, I was immediately told, you're going to be there for six days. Don't, you don't need to know about a butcher. You just be lucky. You <laughs> hopefully have some, you know, fun. And so it, yeah. it, so it was interesting. So after I killed the elk, we took a nice picture and I went back to that post. And because no, he said, you probably have like a 5% chance of killing one, which <laughs> it, it probably is true. <laughs> um, but I was like, hey, I guess I'm in Less the 5% club now. And I sent yeah. him a picture. And I said, I'm glad we did Yeah. I'm glad we did the research to find out where a meat processing East plant County. is because who would want to kind of do that research on the fly just, just to say, there's not a good chance of killing one. Let me not worry about the meat, no, which is the most plant, precious plant part of the so, entire hunt. The way plant. I like to see it is you go into the wood, you have a hundred percent chance. You don't go out there and do it. You have a 0% oh, no. chance. Yeah. You know, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. you go out, everybody goes out and you have a hundred percent chance of doing that until you don't. So, yeah. you know, uh, that's, that's a great mindset, man. Yeah. So we ended up dropping the so meat did off. Did you take your meat to the processor and have it shipped? Uh, no, we did not. We, that was a go kind ahead, of brother. a conversation. I did research ones that did ship. Uh, but once we got to the place and, and talked through the process, uh, I think it was roughly $500 to ship the meat um, from Colorado to my house. Um, what we ended up doing is we stopped in when we were flying back to Denver or driving back to Denver. We stopped in a place and got some dry ice. Um, I bought a couple coolers at Walmart just to get us, get us back to Denver. And um, we carried it on. Um, each of us, I split the meat equally because josh and richard yeah, did equal pounds. parts and we i would not have got that elk if it wasn't for josh's calling and richard sure. he was the man that was kind of he's the one that was really in shape you know one of the guys that's like going to keep pushing you and he did a lot of the navigating for us um so i split the meat evenly between us three and uh Sweet. i bought a backpack uh cooler um and it carried on meat um, and it was solid frozen for the whole trip. Even when I got back to Florida, all of it was still frozen solid. Um, oh, so, so they put the, some in their frame packs and they carried some on. What about, the, what about the horns? <laughs> yeah. So the antlers, I ended up um, going through a taxidermy service. And that is something that I could have carried on. I could have worked that process out. But yeah. with my frame pack and my bow with the antlers, um, me by myself coming into the Florida airport and having to drive home, it, it was just going to be too much for me to try to manage. So I did um, do a European mount and they um, it shipped those to Virginia. Oh, cool. Um, so man. I do have those in Virginia now. That's, That's awesome. Cool. awesome, man. Yeah. Did, uh, so when you were, when you took the meat to the processor, you just had him freeze it and package it for you? Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yep. And he yep. got I it gave, done. I literally you flew dropped out. off the quarterback, all the hind quarter bags and all the game bags. Um, and, and they literally just said they did a lot of it in the ground burger and yep. the steaks, you know, whatever your preference oh, was. Oh, he did it then. Yeah, he did like it then. That. Yeah. So, wow. So because of the time frame, we dropped it off it's on a, a Wednesday. Test. I did have to pay like $150 more because it was a, a speed, you know, expedited yes. cost right, yeah. to get it done. But since we were, you know, it was worth it to get Absolutely. that meat. So we were yeah. ground meat and, and vacuum steel bags on the flight. That's awesome, awesome man. Bro. That's wow. awesome, bud. So cool. Con congratulations on a terrific hunt. Yeah. Terrific. John, what, yeah, a, what a great story. Unbelievable hunt. Uh, 
in the preparation that you guys put in is the key to y'all's yeah, success. Yeah, y'all plan to succeed. Uh, y'all planned to succeed. You plan to succeed. And I didn't hear you once going. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, you, you talked about that in one conversation about bringing the seasons. You said, well, I might get lucky. That's the only time I ever heard that. Not up until this point. I never heard you once saying, well, our, our plan is, you know, you said you had a goal of hearing an elk and seeing an elk, right? Uh, and, you know, that, that was two of your main goals that you had there. But I never heard where you said, you know, well, I don't think we're going to get one. I never heard that, man. And yeah. you guys went in there and you, and you made it happen. And, and that's what I, I want know. a lot of people to understand. And people can chalk that up to whatever they want to. Look, the first time I went up into the mountains, I killed an elk. I just kept killing them after that, man. So, you know, it, the same thing could happen for you. And if you ever stop putting in the same amount of work, it might not happen. You know what I mean? To be consistently successful, it takes doing those things and eliminating those failure points and doing the, the things that are going to help put you in position and create those opportunities. So again, man, uh, you know, if, go ahead buy yourself a lottery ticket but i don't think you're going to do much good with it because, you know. yeah, john and now i gotta tell you you know we've had you on the show uh part of the podcast group now now it's time for you to tell us what unit you're in i'm just kidding <laughs> oh what <laughs> unit were y'all in i'm just kidding brother <laughs> hey we even had fun after the hunt because we went trout fished Cold, cold. I know you were mentioning what we did after we went trout fished. I mean, That's my awesome. buddy brought his fly rod. Like, there's just so much to do out there. If you, you know, people that are listening that are just okay, yeah, I'm gonna go there. Maybe I don't kill an elk. You're gonna get to see the stars. You're gonna get to get out there. Beautiful. Trout fish. You know, we ate trout with elk tenderloin wow. under the stars ever seen before i mean the star oh, is so, so bright man it's like they're on top of you you yeah, can see the milky way absolutely the CEO rob rule. canales took a picture of the milky way dude it was the most beautiful picture i've ever seen man. oh it was it, it was amazing i mean i don't i probably took 500 pictures we recalled called in another six by six uh, two days later at like 15 yards <laughs> Yeah. Really, and we yeah. got that one on video. Um, my buddy That's called it in, cool, man. and that was like in between two like um outfitter camps. Okay, there. okay, now you're totally showing off. Unit. Now yeah, you're now showing you're off. Showing <laughs> off. <laughs> oh no, it was. I think we got just it was just an amazing trip. I know it was an epic. So um, I I don't want you to oh, leave, cool. John, because I want you to be part of this. And I want to thank you for that i hope our listeners got a lot of value there was a lot of nuggets in that man there were you know yeah. for a guy doing what you guys did um some some funny stuff too you know them guys calling in an elk without the buddy they're like yeah let's show it you know that was <laughs> Check cool. us out. Yeah. yeah but uh we're gonna go to our elk bros mailbox and we we said at the beginning that we have and and i think this is something that you can speak to because you're three groups and it's something that all of us can speak to um it was I got this from a grinder um, and, you know, I've gotten letters like this so many times and it's, and it's real serious. And, and I didn't put the person's name there because I, I think things are still workable between him and you understand what I'm talking about right now, but here's the letter I got. And again, I'm gonna say it's anonymous. It could be any of y'all out there in any state. But he says, um, I first want to thank you all for your hard work putting out this content. You guys are awesome. He said, my question is, I have a friend who I have archery elk hunted with for the past 10 years and has been my hunting partner through it all. 
I've been experiencing conflict with him, feeling that I'm doing all the work and learning new areas, the scouting and calling. I'm the one with all the knowledge and calling experience, and I never get an opportunity to harvest. Most of the time, I'm just as happy for someone else getting the harvest as if I'm the one taking the shot. I always try to be very selfless. However, I'm just getting tired of doing all the work and him just showing up for the reward. It seems like the past few years he's been riding my coattails. At this point, I'd actually rather solo hunt or find a new hunting partner than keep fueling this frustration. How would you handle this situation? And he says also, this may be a question best answered by Manano. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure he <laughs> contemplated this very thing while hunting with Louisa time or two. Sorry, Luis, that was a joke. But in all seriousness, in all seriousness, how would you break off this bromance? And 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 this is a this is a tough one, man. It's a tough one for a, a lot of people out there. Anybody want to take a stab at it? First of all, John, let, let me ask you, since you're our guest, what do you think about this question, man? Yeah, so I, I take it from the perspective of like, you know, maybe this gentleman um, who is apparently riding the coattails, uh, maybe he's a little insecure about his calling or, you know, maybe the, the gentleman who is more knowledgeable, it sounds like from a hunting perspective, uh, could approach it with like, Hey, you know, do you want to learn how to call? Like, would you, can I show you how to do this? Or is there something you have questions on with, you know, maybe approach it from an educational perspective, um, with the, with his buddy, because it seems like they do have a relationship, um, that he doesn't want to burn. So I think he would probably find out why is it that you want want to engage in the other aspects of the hunting? Is there, there's concerns, um, that we can kind of address and maybe talk through that over a beer and just, you know, get a gauge for, it's probably more to it than he just doesn't want to do it. There's, I mean, with me, I'm not a good caller. So my buddy calls a lot. It doesn't mean I don't want to, it just means that there's a, it's just not my skill set. So he maybe needs to pulse that a little bit and pull that string. Oh, what do you think, brother? You've had several hunting partners. Yeah, man, uh, this is a tough one for me, too, because I've found myself in this same exact situation, um, you know, throughout the years on, you know, hunting elk. Uh, I've been through, you know, several different ones. And, uh, you know, some of them <laughs> didn't end in the way to where we could just talk it through or whatever. It just it ended badly, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but like, for instance, like Kyle and I, uh, you know, when we've, we've hunted together and this year, Kyle and I didn't get to hunt together and, and Kyle's been used to me kind of just like jumping in and taking the reins and doing the calling and stuff. And this year, you know, out of our control, we've had this, we've had to hunt apart and, and kind of, and, and Kyle was like put to the fire, like he's, and, and I told him, I was like, dude, you got to call. And finally he did. And he ended up, you know, he ended up killing a bull, but uh, it kind of forced him into having to, to go see what it was like to not have, you know, that crutch behind him or that, that, uh, you know, that ability back there behind him to draw that bull past him. Um, you know, so maybe even just in, you know, just the guy should think about it like, well, dang, if I didn't have my buddy there to call me, would I be harvesting an elk, you know, yeah. reciprocated. Yeah. And that's an honest, that's an, man, look, it's an honest conversation that needs to be had right between two guys. And, and he's got to be brutally honest with the way that he's feeling. He can't sugarcoat it. He's got to let him know, look, man, I kind of feel like I'm on the short end of this thing. 
And for me, this is how I would set up. You know, uh, I don't feel like you're adding anything to my group. You know what I mean? I'm doing all the calling. I'm doing all the heavy lifting. Let me know. Are you willing to learn? Are you willing to step out there and do these things? Because if not, I'm willing to part ways and move on with somebody else to hunt, you know, because I can't keep doing this. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm holding myself back because I'm always having to pick you up. And look, that's it's a tough conversation to have, but it is definitely one that you got to have because we only got so many times up on the mountain, you know, and we only do this once a year. So, and some of us are a lot luckier than others can do it for months at a time. But for, for me, I'm not spending one day with a guy that I can't get along with. Right. And, uh, and it doesn't have the same values that I have when we're in the woods. So for me, it's all about having a conversation, right. And a poignant conversation. That's not, that's candid. And that is definitely straight and to the point. And, and then, you know, based on his reply and based on his, uh, the way he takes this will depend on whether I move forward or whether we stay together. Uh, you know, I, I've, Chav and I have hunted together 39 years, man. And Chav's never been a caller. Um, right. and, but Chav's always got, had his own skill set to be able to go and to do what he wants to, you know, we, we've hunted separately. We've hunted together. Um, yeah. we, and I think that's something that, partners can do i mean just like we did on our hunt this year sometimes you can go and we understood that we were going to separate out to locate elk right and there were times that we were more effective together to do that but i never found that really if you are a good caller and you have a good skill set and you have a good partner it never stopped me from killing elk, even when Chav and I were together, you know, either yeah. he was going to have the shot or I was going to have the shot. And, mm-hmm. you know, we worked it that way. Whoever had the shot, we were going to put that elk down. I mean, it, it almost seemed that, I mean, I've had this so many times calling elk in for somebody else that mm-hmm. a bull comes around in a different direction. And I, I do know how he's feeling though. I, know, I, 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 totally, I do know where he's coming from. Cause I totally you, get it. you tend to, you tend to not have that, that part of your hunting prowess with you when you're actually the caller. Right. Oh, and yeah. uh, I, I feel like I'm a whole lot less guarded when I'm thinking more about pulling the bull and doing the things I need to do for said guy that's set up in the setup. But you're right, Joe. I mean, there's several times that you and I've been together that you could have killed a bull with me and, and did right. Bulls coming straight at us. We have the conversation. Bull goes right. Joe shoots. Bull goes left. Big O shoots. Right. I mean, but those are the things that you got to work out together. And for me, I, I get where you're, where that guy's coming from and, and what he's saying, but you're right. 100% Joe, the guy should be able to do it both ways, but it feels like there's some underlying things. That well, what he's saying he's is, is saying. he's actually you know? feeling, he's feeling like he's only the only one doing the work though. Right. You know, right. and, and that's one thing like with our group that we've had, one thing that I've always said is I don't mind teaching people, but yeah. I want people to grow. If they're not going to grow, they need to go because they're not helping the group. Then it's, then it's dependent on one person or a couple people to do it. And we all need to add, we're only as good as our weakest link, right? That's right. So, 
you know, uh, but people bring different skill sets sometimes as well. And that's the other thing to consider. Like, you know, if your partner, you know, isn't doing all the work and the scouting and, and, and the, the calling, well, what's he doing on the side of, you know, as far as getting gear ready or, or, you know, cooking a camp or, you know, doing, do you have different roles in, in that sense as well? Because, you know, there's some people add a whole lot to a camp with oh, a different yeah. skill set, man. And uh, just with their attitude right. and their positiveness. But if you are feeling down, look, here's the great thing about a hunting partner is not a marriage, man. I mean, if, if you don't feel like somebody has your back and you can't talk to this person, then there's an issue anyway. You know, if there's something going on and you guys sure. are pals like for 10 years, you got to have that conversation. Say, look, dude, okay, look, I, I want you to call for me and then put them in that position and make it happen and then have faith in them doing that yeah. as well. Right. So hunting, hunting solo sucks. I'll say it right now after hunting with you guys this year and me not <laughs> having a and then going back out by my <laughs> <laughs> I was like, screw the hunt by yourself. You know what I mean? Because it's somebody yeah. about even if somebody does like if you know, Kyle's not a world champion caller, neither neither am I by any means, you know. But at the same time, just like Joe said, he adds something to my group that I would rather have be there, you know, even though he can't necessarily get behind me and call in every single bull i know he can call in something and that's what we'll yeah. work with you know and we'll grow from yeah. that that point forward yeah. um i would rather have my buddies with me uh every you know, day at, and have every that day. Good camaraderie and stuff like that rather than be so low uh so think about that before you split up with your bud yeah i, I don't know that i'm trying to think in 12 years i've never hunted solo I've always had a, a, a buddy or a guide with me. Right. Yeah, so, right. I, I mean, I've never gone out just by myself. I mean, uh, I, I take that back. I went out a couple of times, but I was mule deer hunting. I wasn't, I wasn't elk hunting. So um, I'd already harvested an elk, I had a mule deer tag. And, uh, but at the end of the day, I've always, I, I'm like Joe, I'm like Cole. I'd rather have my buddies with me, man, that are on my hip with me and, sharing the moment and stuff. I mean, that makes it yeah. even that more, much more special. A absolutely, man. You know, life's about memories and, you know, I, I love the idea of how many memories that Chav and I have together oh, that man. all of us as a group have together. And now a memory that John has shared with us that, you know, that's something that we get to have, that we get to hold. I feel, I feel I was What's there. your buddy's name? Yeah. Who called your, called your bull in? What's your buddy's name? Josh Prophet. Josh Josh will never, ever forget the first bull he ever called in for his buddy. And he'll never forget the first bull he called in on camera because he's got it on camera. But <laughs> the first trying. bull I ever <laughs> called in, he called it. Yeah. The first bull I ever called in in my life, Chav, right there. That's the first bull I ever called in in my life. Chav shot that bull. And I'll never forget that hunt as long as I live. The first time I had a bull really start responding to me and calling and, you know, really starting to get better with my calls and, and, and whatnot. But it's for archery. I called in a bull one time for a buddy of mine with a muzzleloader. But the first archery bull I ever called in was for Chav. And, I, and I, he's I mean, behind I the bow next year. We're going oh, back, you, and he's going to be behind the bow. Absolutely. So I got to build my oh, skill set cool. up. Y'all aren't going multiple me, tags? No. Y'all are only just buying one tag? Yeah. I think what? that's how we're going to do it. I, I think, think that's a good idea. Yeah, I, I do. Think, 
Nothing What's wrong that? with that. You can always go back to town and get another tag. Constantly. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. We're bringing two bows. We're bringing two bows, but yeah. only one tag. Yeah, I think that's yeah. all. <laughs> and they did um, so much work for me. Like I'm this. I'm dedicated to learning hey, how to okay. bugle. What a great group. Try to take that's, it to it next year. What a great group of guys, man. That's solid. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and, and guys ride the river together, Joe. Well, let me tell you what, man. Um, you know, uh, me and that guy have been together a lot of years and I've had situations where we're side by side and an elk comes running in and there's just something about me, man. When that shot shows up, I just like freaking go red and kill things. I don't know what happens, but I, I Chav, <laughs> Chav, Chav is like, he's, always so thrilled for me as much as I'm, I mean, the most thrilled that I've ever been, you know, is when he's taking his man, it's just, uh, it it just really, that's how it is. And that's how, that's what's so cool. And what you're saying, John, about, you know, you dedicating yourself to your guys next year and, and giving it up like that. That's just friggin' cool, man. And and John, have you seen our base camp from, from Elgos? I learned enough on the podcast. I am definitely signed up for the base camps now. Fantastic. <laughs> I was man. reading it all about content. the academy. You'll so. learn a whole lot. And then if you're going to be brushing up on your calling skills for next year and everything, man, got to got to look at Mr. Paul Medell and those guys. Um, we, we believe in him and him talking about how you understand elk language. I mean, the, the knowledge that you gain out of this one and the other stuff you're going to put in the bank, you end up calling in elk for your buddy next year, brother. Absolutely. I'm hoping so. Definitely going to sign up. No, for ain't no hope, for brother. Sure. You can make it. You can have. You can make it happen. I promise you. Gilbert, you close know. us out, That's man. A, guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us, and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder to you know, if all our listeners out there would like their questions answered on our show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. And like we say down here in Texas, husbands kiss your wives, wives kiss your husbands. (laughs) Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Country. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, and all your grinders out there. And John, he's going to sing one for you. I don't know if you've heard Tony, man. Here's some music from our brother, Tony Tony Winter, closing out the show. Peace, peace. Peace, Thanks, John. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. The man on top of the world didn't fall there. He knew how to earn his keep with a wall there. He could look anyone in the eye. Never was afraid of goodbye. His strength was unimaginable. Through the darkest winter storm, never was above the norm. If he'd never done it, he would tell you so. Never complain, it's the way life goes. The man on top of the world didn't fall there. You can see his veins through his t-shirt. Determination on his face. Never heard of the word failure. Never credit.
Take a 